Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. Good morning and welcome to another uh, three hours of the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're broadcasting live in front of the Marriott Center, which is the big basketball center and arena for Brigham Young uh, Cougars. Uh, you know, we're here, folks, because they have a women's conference on campus where about 20,000 women gather to learn and to be edified and just uh, hang out with one another. We happen to be just uh, perched right in front of this great meeting and uh, ready to do, again, just another incredible show. That is the goal of this program, is to give you the tools to live longer, love stronger, and, of course, uh, lead a healthier, happier life. We got a, we got a great crew here today. Morgan's hanging out, doing a little PR with this. Kaylee Danes, who's never actually allowed near anything that has a microphone on it, she's actually hanging out with us as well. Terry and Mike are holding me uh, hostage here. And, of course, James Birdsall is up in the studio. Why didn't we allow James to come out? Someone has to run the show. So. He's the odd man out. He's, you think James is odd? <laughs> it could be. Is that what you're saying? You're saying bit. James is odd. That's a, the problem. A man with no hair got a haircut yesterday. So, <laughs> but he got his cut for his or for his marriage. Well, he did. Yes, but yeah. it was. Kind you don't of need strange. a cut when you um, have no hair, do you? After the show, he gets on the phone is and it? makes a phone call to set up a hair appointment. The did man really? has no hair. Well, so it's really more of like a I don't know, like a like a buff. Yeah. He's just trying to, you know, keep I mean, he's got tight. He's got hair. It's just yeah. short. He cuts it really short. Poor guy. And he can't even talk. I don't, maybe he can't. But he's not missing much because I believe we're outside uh-huh. of the stadium because we don't qualify to enter the building yeah, today. We, yeah, we're not, we're not qualified. To, it's a women's uh, conference. It's a women's and, conference, and we don't qualify. Here's the deal, folks. When we um, uh, Today on the show, we've got a really uh, great guy coming up. Dr. Patrick Miller is going to be joining us. Do you believe that uh, the political world, Republicans, Democrats, do you see that they are all out for the best of the country? Or would you sense that our partisan politics is actually turning more into like a sports competition? Some of Dr. Uh, Miller's research shows, guess what, folks? We're turning our, our very political, I mean, our political world into more of a sports contest. This is more like the Cowboys and the Redskins than it is GOP uh, Democrats. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it could be any, insert any rivalry. Even to there. the point where your value system on what is fair game and what isn't fair game gets completely put aside for yeah. who wins. Completely messed up. So we're going to talk about that today, plus just a lot of great stuff. Again, uh, we'll still do a little Birds All um, update on the wedding. I've got some great news. Uh-oh. Got some great news. Did you rewrite the toast I, the keynote? I actually took out some of the video. Okay. And what I've done is I've put together a live uh, scene Uh-oh. with, I'm going to have actors. Like Shakespearean? Kind of. It's like a dramatization. Okay. Of the, the like, I have 17 stages of marriage. 17? Uh-huh. So I'm going to take it through the young, loving high chemistry stage all, right. all the way to the death and i have actors that are going to act it out <laughs> to death uh-huh all right and they, they'll just be acting out what it would look like so positive message yeah. for the day he gets married yeah so but i so i cut 20 minutes out of my toast 
and I just added this. I'm just calling it a dramatization. Nice. For the wedding. Nice. But I'm doing it for it's, James and Kaylee. It's an artistic element to uh-huh. the presentation, other than you yeah. bringing, you know, all that you bring. Well, I'll be, I'll narrate it. Right. So I'll be in. It did add a little bit more time to the entire show. Not the toast. The toast is now about 35 minutes longer. I took 20 minutes out and added 35. So it's only, but it's dramatization. Right. So you can't beat that. That's nice. I'm sure he's up there just smiling, loving that idea. So that's great. Uh, Still doing the tango? Almost couldn't do it. I almost had to bow out on that because I twisted my... Yeah, hammy, be careful. I twisted my hammy. Be careful. You, you I don't, don't want to twist a hammy, but oh, I did. And you don't want to get hurt. injured. Uh, <laughs> anyway, too bad he can't talk or he won't talk. Uh, any any headlines going on? I, I, there's still the Baltimore things just still a brewing. The Freddie Gray protests have now spread to other cities. Yeah. Uh, it's not just in Baltimore. They had protests in Baltimore during the daylight hours yeah. because they have the curfew that's ongoing. The police arrested 63 protesters in New York during a Jeez. march calling for justice for Freddie Gray. The uh, who's the Baltimore man who died of the spinal injuries he sustained. About 1,000 people were in Union Square for the rally before continuing to uh, move through Manhattan, blocking traffic, shutting down streets. Uh, protests were also in Denver really? and in uh, Washington, D.C., San Diego, and Boston. And That's interesting. They're all everywhere. kinds of cities. People and, and authorities arrested at least five of around 100 protesters gathered to uh, protest the death of gray there in denver so i mean it's it's spreading there's the police are having to uh intervene in some situations because things get out of hand no see what's cool is people are getting involved yes. we need a great a strong discussion about what's going on also 80 people arrested in baltimore on monday were yeah. released because they uh-huh. weren't processed and yeah. charged with anything yet because paperwork Either paperwork or hard. they're just letting them go or whatever okay, the situation is. This is interesting is. because do you remember what all the teenage kids were saying? This was a um, – it was after a movie. Oh, it was basically that they – there's some movie out there that says you have a free shot. You you can take one oh. day and yeah, do whatever. It was called, I believe, The Purge. The Purge. Now, yes. interesting. They you did have, one have day a free to go day. Nuts. Yeah. And they all did go nuts and nobody was charged. So The Purge actually happened. Yeah. Which I'm not sure is a good idea, because now they're all worried about what's going to happen Friday. Because Friday yes. there's going to be a big announcement. Supposedly, everybody thinks, I mean, a lot of people are there thinking that they're going to be able to actually have some conviction. But we're nowhere near a conviction no. stage. It, it's just the announcement. It'll be more it, the police announce where they are in this stage of the investigation. Yeah. So, so, but it's going gonna, it's gonna, to you know, let a lot of people down. Yes. So we, there, you know, there's I, no such thing as a purge, even though... Eighty people didn't have any charges filed. That I mean, I uh, one of the heads purge. of the, the NAACP is talking. You know, keep calm. We're not going to get yeah. the entire story here. Yeah. We're going to get a little bit of information. It's yeah. progress. But, you know, it's trying to keep uh, expectations down so it doesn't. They're trying to again. minimize it, aren't they? Uh, okay, uh, the ball game yesterday. You sent me yeah. a great um, link. <laughs> to There's that. the video of uh, one of the. Oh, I forget his name here. Did I write it down? One of the players from Baltimore hit a home run. Yeah. And you could hear the players in the dugout clapping for the home run, which is what you never hear. It, it sounded like you this. hear like five people clapping in this massive baseball stadium. They set a record for the lowest attendance in baseball history. Zero. <laughs> There's always one or two. Well, there had to have been. Didn't, didn't family were, members go? Didn't, nobody was there. There were people outside the fence that were watching the game. But yeah. it was. It says it's a well, the, pre, history, the previous team right? to hold the record, the long since defunct, Warch or. 
I can't never say what is that's in it's up Worcester Worcester yeah it's not Worcestershire it's up in the, the New England area. It's a team that's now defunct. It's yeah. been gone since 1882. They held the record since September 28, 1882, when only six people sat in the audience. But official attendance yesterday for Baltimore and the Chicago White Sox, zero. Zero. You know what? But I, what's great? If you happen to be one of the zero, you had a great seat. Great view. Absolutely. All the hot dogs. So they didn't no even have lines. employees there. No, the tickets, everything was, that's cool. all they did is play but You the know, game. that's historic. I would have liked that game if I was a player. Plus, you can cheat a little bit. Yeah, well, no. No one's watching. The umpires are there, oh, and it was right. on TV. And okay, the umpires are still there. They televised an empty ba- uh, baseball park yesterday. Um, found this quite interesting. More what? Brian Williams and NBC. Yeah. It's uh, ongoing. NBC seems to be trying to figure out a way to end this before his six-month suspension ends in August, right? Just get him yeah. out of here before they oh, have yeah. to Oh, yeah, they got to make some decision before everybody comes back and says, so is Brian going to come back? So talks between the exiled anchor and NBC Universal have recently become tense with the 55-year-old newsman saying he will not have his NBC nightly news job taken away without a battle. Oh, boy. Oh, now, boy. This, this is from the New York here Post, right? Yeah. So yeah. it ends up being kind of rumors and not necessarily names attached to all the details and things. I know. Let's. What's so crazy is that all of a sudden you got Brian Williams in a slapdown. You kind of need they need to do pay per view on this. They do. He this says be like Mayweather. He says it's out. going to be worse than the situation with Ann Curry, who was on the that morning show that got and they wanted to move her out, and oh, that got kind of ugly. Man. And then she had her on air goodbye, yeah. which was kind of an awkward situation because people on the show uh-huh. were the forces behind getting her off the show. And <laughs> isn't that amazing? Okay. And and the reason that is. That both uh, Brian Williams and Ann Curry are represented by the same lawyer. Okay. <laughs> so he's like, okay, we'll do this again. It's going to get crazy, isn't it? <laughs> you guys want to make this embarrassing, we'll do it again. Oh, so this could Brian. be fun to watch. And you know what? He was a great anchor. Just, yes. He just had, you know, apparently 13 additional stories. Yeah, that he made up a bunch of facts and told them on TV. As it, you know, it's hard, though. It's, it's we hard. make up stuff all the time on this show. But we usually make them up about James. No big deal. Uh, folks, we're going to take a break. And, again, we're uh, we're coming to you live right now outside of the Marriott Center. So if our audio sounds a little different, uh, it's because we are standing out in about 57-degree weather. I don't know how. It's pretty nice, actually. I'm not sweating. Normally in the studio I'm sweating. But we are broadcasting live. From, Too much information. I know, totally. BYU Women's Conference right out uh, here on BYU campus. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dr. Patrick Miller about the competitive nature of politics. Folks, it's not just partisanship anymore. This is turning into just pure competition, and uh, he's done some great research on that. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We will be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, have you ever been uh, just sitting there watching, I don't know, a newscast where you see people talking politics and they they get so into it and they are so angry that it reminds you of like an ESPN sporting event. And you're wondering, holy cow, these people are talking like they're sports fans and they're more committed to uh, maybe the team winning than the overall idea, philosophy, ideology uh, well, according to our next guest, Dr. Patrick Miller, he is a uh, University of Kansas assistant professor of political sci- science 
And he and Pamela Johnson Conover, uh, who's a professor of poli-sci at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, they're the co-authors of a study, Red and Blue States of Mind, Partisan Hostility and Voting in the United States. And we've asked him to come on uh, and talk to us a little bit about his research and, and fill us in on what is going on with politics today. Again, uh, Dr. Patrick Miller, thanks for being with us. Uh, nice to be with you. Um, it's it, To me, it's really intriguing research, I think, that you've been doing here. I have sensed, just watching uh, any kind of political show nowadays, there is an intensity that I don't remember seeing uh, before. Is is that what you were studying is in your research? Well, I think it depends on what you mean by intensity. We've always had politics that are very contentious, oftentimes very polarized, um, and sometimes even un- uncivil, uh, especially among our political leaders. I-, I think what's different about today than decades into the past, especially most of the 20th century, is that that's creeped down to the average citizen. Yeah. And yeah, we have survey data you know, all the way back to the 1950s on a variety of different measures of asking about you know, how much you dislike the other side or stereotype the other side. And you know, not just Pamela and myself, but other researchers, we've, we've never seen such intense uh, dislike between yeah. average Democrats and Republicans uh, before. It's it is and you, and is it so it's intense dislike but and, and in a way it you know it um, parallels kind of the dislike that a rivalry you know school might have with another school it's it's a it's almost a hatred almost it, it is I mean for uh, a lot of partisans and I mean just to give you an example um, just on a simple survey question that some firms have been asking since the 1960s um, how upset or angry would you be if one of your children married someone of the other party. If we go back to the 1960s, maybe about 10% of Republicans and Democrats said they would have been angry at that. Right. Today, that percentage is over 50%. Are you uh, serious? Yeah. Both parties. It, it, it's, it's like, uh, but it's but like your research says, it's not about ideology necessarily, is it? Or is it just about pure partisanship? I think they go hand in hand. Um, you know, what, what we found in our research is that this kind of mentality that you're talking about is especially prominent among um, older partisans and people who know more about politics. And I think that what you see happening for that kind of partisan is that, you know, when they first get into politics, they may be a bit more oriented towards issues and ideology as they're figuring out what being a Republican or a Democrat means. Right. But over time... Do, do we then as, settle in it, and then we kind of think that the party always is that? Because it seems like there's a lot of values going on in, you know, in society in general that are starting to shift that are no longer just one party or another. Well, I mean, there always are things that cut across parties. I mean, I think the interesting thing about partisanship is that, you know, most of us get our party from our parents. We inherit it just like our religion. Yeah. Um, you know, we have surveys of children um, ages five and six who, if they come from a dominant party household, they can tell you by that age, most of them can tell you that they belong to a party, but they, they can tell you I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, but they don't know what it means. They don't know about right. ideology or issues. Yeah. And so it's, it's an identity they hold very closely and I think just with the nature of our elections, you know, we have regular elections that are becoming more and more competitive, that as we experience those, particularly the older you get, it really just becomes more about the game and winning that next game. Yeah. So the competitive nature of the election 
uh, especially the last maybe three or four, it, they're getting so competitive. It's it's probably driving up the anger, driving up the negative feelings. Is that what you're sensing? Um, I, I, partly. I mean, they're partly so competitive as well because we're just more polarized. I mean, yeah. we haven't had a good landslide presidentially since maybe '96, but certainly not eighty. You know, since '88. Right. Um, partly because. Um, there are so few persuadable voters today because we're so committed to our party. So the closed elections are both a cause and a symptom of what's going on. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, apologize for uh, the little audio issue there. We're, again, coming to you live from uh, the Marriott Center, which is uh, on BYU campus. They have a a huge uh, women's conference every year, probably 20,000 people that come to speak and to just uh, celebrate and and learn uh, with each other. And as we're broadcasting, apparently we keep losing a signal there. So I, I, I truly do apologize, especially to our guest, Dr. Patrick Miller. Dr. Patrick Miller is a professor at the University of Kansas, assistant professor there of political science. And uh, he is one of the co-authors of a study called Red and Blue States of Mind, Partisan Hostility and Voting in the United States. Dr. Patrick Miller, uh, welcome back again to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, nice to be here. Thank you. Sorry for losing you right in the middle of that. It was uh, you were on the roll too, and and then all of a sudden, click, couldn't hear a thing. So uh, we've been talking no about kind of the partisanship that's going on, um, but some of the statistics from your survey. Maybe talk to us. What did the survey show when it comes to uh, what's happening with the you know kind of the the partisanship between the two parties and uh, and elections? Teach us what you learned in your study. Sure. Uh, well, interestingly, the first thing we actually did is we did a lot of interviews before we even uh, fielded the survey to just kind of understand how people thought about this. And one thing that we found that was very interesting is that the way that a lot of average partisans talked about elections, they didn't quite, I guess, get, or they, just, they didn't think about elections in the sense that in order to advance policy, you have to win an election generally. They talked about them as if they were competing, maybe even mutually exclusive goals. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to ask this question about what you value more. I mean, is it more important to you for your party to win, or is it more important to advance policy, or perhaps both? Um, and on that question, we had 41% of the, uh, the Republicans and Democrats in our survey that said that just winning is more important than policy or ideology. Uh, we have 35% who uh, said that you know, those policy goals are more important, and only about a quarter who said both are equally important. So the largest group, I mean, it wasn't a majority, but the largest group of 41% said that it's just winning, and that's what's important to me and motivates me. Um, and then the other question that we asked was about incivility in politics. Uh, and with that, we found that 38% of Republicans and Democrats agreed with a statement that their party should do whatever is necessary, use any tactics to win elections and issue debates. And then when we asked those people who agreed with that, well, what do you mean by that? We got all kinds of responses like physical violence and threats, oh. intimidation, yeah. not allowing people to speak, stealing, cheating elections, voter suppression. 
uh, abusing a filibuster. Uh, And that's about 40 percent of people who call themselves Republicans and Democrats. Um, But they're okay with kind of less than uh, character based approaches to politicking. uh, I mean, if it helps their side win. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's really it's kind of a win at all costs, isn't it? Right. I mean, I, I think what's interesting is that uh, we don't seem to have a very powerful social norm about politics. I mean, I, I think that if you think about, for example, a lot of the everyday conversations that we might have with people or social interactions, there are a lot of norms that govern those. I mean, like you don't – it's not polite to talk about sex or money or oftentimes right. religion. You don't yell at people in – uh, social settings, you know, a yeah. lot of those rules don't seem to apply to politics when we are, are thinking about competition between the parties. And I, I think that's very interesting. And just how we got to that point is is interesting as well um, and troubling, uh, obviously. Yeah, no, it's I mean, and I can it's interesting. What do you sense this goes in the future? I mean, I mean, I know a lot of this also you, in your articles you've written are, can be attributed to our media use and, you know, maybe a more polarized media as well. But where do you sense this going in the next few years or the next decade or two? Um, I'm, I'm not very optimistic, honestly. Um, I mean, all the trends, not just in our data, but other data show that this sentiment is getting worse. Um, you know, if you look at our politicians, I mean, it, it's easy for us to just blame D.C. blame Congress for not working. I mean, that, that's easy for us to do because, you know, as citizens, we, we just can condemn people and we never have to have responsibility for making policy work. Um, but, you know, they're polarized partly because we put them there. And yeah. that's what primary voters on both sides are looking for. They're looking for, for loyalists who are going to be pure and not compromise. Um, and so if, if that's the part of the population, uh, and I have many good friends who are both strong Republicans and strong Democrats. I love them dearly. But the kinds of politicians they're looking for and the kinds of choices that their primaries are giving the rest of us are really tearing our politics apart in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, so so it's, it's this interesting, I guess, mutually abusive kind of two-way street between <laughs> politicians yeah. and the voters who put them there that I just don't know how you break that cycle. And it's um, so, so I guess I, one of the keys is you, we just have to inform society that we have to be different. We have to look at it in a different way. I mean, it's, it really is a complex situation because I can see so many people are exhausted by the whole idea and are tired of the partisanship. And then the fact that they can't go to DC and make anything happen there and yet we are all complicit. We all keep, you know, fighting for sure. our team. I mean, I, I think that in the I end, mean, too, I guess about, um, we probably ought to figure out uh, how we lead it ourselves. And uh, I think sure. I've lost, again, the audio there to Dr. Patrick Miller. But we appreciate his insight. Really great uh, study out of Kansas, uh, University of Kansas. Um, partisanship, friends. I mean, think about it. You can blame the media all you want. You can blame your politicians for being so narrow-minded and not being able to go to D.C. and fight for us. But when it comes right down to it, it's a blood sport now, right? Politics is a blood sport, and we're willing to win at all costs. And, uh, again, not everyone, but the the research does show that there is a huge contingent of people that uh, would rather win as a as a, an ideology, as a GOP or as the Democratic Party, rather than win as a country. And so 
Truly, folks, I think in the end we've got to um, take back our own political system and become the change that we seek in the world. We're going to take a break and see if we can straighten out a little bit more of uh, you know some of our audio issues here. But again, want to thank Dr. Patrick Miller. Keep up the great research and uh, keep bringing that information to us so that we can at least get it into the hearts and the minds of the people. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back, continuing our discussion about partisan politics right here on BYU Radio. Townsend Show. Hey, uh, again, having a few little technical difficulties here. We're broadcasting live uh, at the Women's Conference on BYU campus. And uh, that, uh, you know, 20,000 women all getting together to talk about improving lives and, uh, and and becoming better people. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to uh, broadcast live. Uh, we were actually just um, amazingly right across the street from our own broadcast center. And um, we are doing everything we can to fix these technical difficulties. Uh, I think that's what happens when you just, you know, not only do something live, but when you do something live with 20,000 people all on Wi-Fi, it gets crazy. We were talking to Dr. Patrick Miller, and it's fascinating to me that as a, as a country, we would, we would divide ourselves and see ourselves as a, you know, a GOP or a Democrat first and maybe sometimes even as a as a member or a, a fellow citizen of the United States, second, it's it's a scary thing. But then uh, Terry and I have been talking about it as well. I mean, literally, we will do unethical, immoral things to win elections. It gets ugly. See, now he in his research it says thirty eight percent of partisans agreed that their party should use any tactics necessary to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything. Oh, yeah. And so then they pushed a little further to find out what does anything mean. Uh huh. And the people were okay with voter suppression, stealing or cheating in elections, physical violence, threats against the other party, lying, personal attacks on opponents, suppression, voter suppression, not allowing the other party to speak, and using filibusters to block Congress. So in other words, anything <laughs> to stop it. I mean, bodies in the lake. Yeah. Anything. But see, you saw this in the last election. Uh, Harry Reid lied. And then admitted it. Romney. Well, I don't know if he admitted it, but he said later, he goes, well, he didn't win, right? So I guess it's okay. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And the the ultimate irony of that one is, you know, they're both Mormons, LDS. Yes. (laughs) So the funny thing is, is this might actually cross religious boundaries. This is about winning. This is the partisanship we're talking about. But then that creates these competitive uh, elections that kind of tend to keep amping up. Right. This, uh, well, it gets, it gets irrational because what are you really fighting against? Right. Right. Everyone supposedly is here for the betterment of the country. Sure. But you start hearing things like, well, he's doing this because he's purposely trying to ruin the country. Right. No. He has a different idea than you. That's right. Right? Well, and how many times have you heard Obama lied, Hillary Clinton lied, uh, every George Bush lied, everybody lies. Everybody lies now. Well, they're politicians. Isn't that weird? I don't know if it's a, it might not be an outright lie, but it's a, a shade it's, off of center. A, yeah, it's just, it's a, yeah, it's just a, it's a, just a shade. It's, so it's, it's a lie, a, but. Yeah. <laughs> but when, I guess too, the, the big point that Patrick Miller was making is that we folks, uh, we're the ones consuming this and we're the ones electing this and we're the ones that are all out doing this. So 
we could just say it's a it's a, you know it's the political scene that's causing all of this, but in reality, it's actually us because we are the voters or not. Yeah. When you think about how few of us actually vote anyway, it's a big deal. It is a, a small portion of the country. It says forty one percent of partisans agree that simply winning is more important to them than policy or ideological goals. So the actual platform, the message, it doesn't matter. It's winning. Yeah. And when you think about it, too, um, like I just heard uh, on the news yesterday about everybody's so frustrated because now the Clinton Foundation is releasing all of these donors that weren't released, but they promised to release. What was it, 1,011 or or 1,100 foreign donors they did not disclose? And Barack Obama basically had Hillary Clinton agree to a deal that before she could be uh, nominated or, I guess... Uh, Officially called a Memorandum of Understanding. MOU, we call that in the legal world. Memorandum of Understanding, that she would give all of the donors, she'd give all the information about every donor from the Clinton Foundation immediately. She'd give that information to the White House. Didn't do it. Didn't report it. Now 1,100 of them have come out. Now watch, though. What people on the news were saying is, oh, yeah, this will all pass. Yeah. This will all pass. And you know what? It, in the mindset of our, of, our, of our people, it will. And yet that's a problem. It is. And it's the same thing on, on all the other side. Uh, I mean, it's, we are all okay with whatever these people do as long as we can get our person elected. Well, and as, as it says, I'm, I'm reading the story here, it talks about the laws in Canada. Some of this was kind of going through some uh, some organizations in Canada, and there they have different laws on who you can disclose and okay, not. You have to yeah. get permission. Right. And so they're kind of, it looks like they're kind of hiding behind that and saying, oh, we can't disclose this. It's not our, it's not us doing it. It's, it's, the, it's the, the laws of, of, Can- of, of Canada. Of Canada. <laughs> so, and then, you know, there was the question of she signed this document, and yeah. then it seems like she wasn't as forthcoming as she needed to be. And. You know, we're, we're concerned about all this money, but at the same time, she walks out and says, I need to raise $2.5 billion to win. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, oh, she's going to do it. No problem. Yeah, oh, for sure she's going to do it. And there isn't, no one has any, he's oh. like, well, how is she going to get that much money? Where's that money coming from? And it's okay. We're just going to have these Whatever. different campaign matter. finance laws, and it's fine. And when you think about what $2.5 billion means, it just means more spin. $2.5 yeah. billion dollars is commercials. Spin. Radio, Man, TV, live. That's and, and, if, and, and she's only focusing on what nine states, right? You know, exactly. The vast majority of the country she doesn't have to focus on right. because they're not going to vote for her, and they don't have enough electoral votes to matter. So, eh. Well, when you think about it in this, in kind of the the world or the realm of spin, in the end, I guess as long as your team wins, you'll take whatever consequence comes. I mean, but. Here's the deal. Independents, if you notice, are growing like crazy. Yes. So maybe it's this independence movement that's starting to generate the fact that we don't want so much partisanship. We don't want this Republican against Democrat mentality anymore. And maybe that's why people are saying, I'm going to go independent and vote more on the policies, the ideas that the people are bringing. So you know what? Maybe that is an answer. But, you know, again, think about how hard that is. And Patrick Miller brought it up, our professor from Kansas, University of Kansas. Maybe, though, if you were born and your daddy was a GOP member and your mama was a GOP member and your great-grandpa and granddaddy and everyone were GOP members, it's almost like going against your religion, your faith, your beliefs to actually vote for another party. And that's kind of what they have found is that it is it is kind of you – know, like it, the younger people in college 
will uh, identify themselves as libertarians more than any other, according to some polling will data they really? here. Uh, millennials uh, identify as libertarians. While most polls place people with libertarian leanings, about a quarter of the broader population asking Americans whether they describe themselves as socially liberal and fiscally, fiscally conservative, a simple approximation of liberal views can bump that figure as high as 59%. Interesting. And a 2014 poll that found that 53% of millennials would vote for candidates who describe themselves with that formula. But isn't that always been true? Well, it's interesting because college students yeah. have always been the free. There's thinkers. also studies that find that, that you, oh, I'm independent. Yeah. And that's kind of the way to say I'm, I'm above all this. Yeah. But as they as fall. people get older, they tend to go back to where yeah. how their upbringing, go back you know, to whatever area roots. of the country they grew up, whatever the influences uh-huh. are in, in what shaped who they were, they fall back into those uh, trappings, I guess you could yeah. say, and they end up voting, like you said, my dad was a Republican, I'm a Republican or Democrat, however that worked. But then have you, yeah, your your child's too young, but my kids are always like, so daddy uh, or dad, are we Republicans or Democrats? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what we are. <laughs> but it's, it's all of a sudden you have all this control. We are whatever, but they don't even know what it means. No. But in their head, they're like, oh yeah, we, we're that. I, I couldn't even tell them who I voted for. Because they, it would confuse my kids because I voted kind of all over. Yeah. I voted for policy. I voted for people that I thought would make a difference and do something based on new ideas and something that's effective that works instead of just, I don't know. And in the research that uh, Dr. Miller that yeah. we had on before that he was talking about was there's more people voting straight party ticket. Yeah. Because they're not even looking at who's running. They're just, right. this we're going this party. That's you our gotta party. you got to think, though. I mean, if you, if you have... The liberty, you've got to have the, the, the thinking power. You've got to have the responsibility to go read and to research. And I get that a lot of this isn't fun to follow. It's horrible. But you've got to use your brain, for heaven's sakes. How are we supposed to keep a democracy if no one's going to use their brain? <sighs> drives me crazy. I shouldn't be so negative. I shouldn't be so <laughs> negative. Again, we're broadcasting live from uh, in front of the Marriott Center here on Brigham Young Campus. BYU Women's Conference is uh, just about to start up. Tens of billions of women gathering at the Marriott Center. Uh, billions? Billions. Isn't it a 22,000 maybe seat stadium? Yeah. Okay. It's going to be packed. Billions. Wow. And they're, um, what's funny is I don't have a clicker, so I'm not counting them That's all. That's well beyond standing room only. Well into the billions. But um, it's actually funny because we're just, you know, some white guys sitting here with tens of billions of women walking by. And, hey, not bad odds. Not bad odds. Mike, you're single, right? Oh, and now they're screaming. Now they're heckling you. They're heckling Mike, I think. Mike, I can get you married by the end of the show. Anybody want a single guy named Mike? Mike Pond. He's here. Get him out here. Um, anyway, it's... The politics stuff, it's frustrating. I think it's frustrating a lot of people. And then, you know, you see the Baltimore situation, and then you see all the talking heads that are so politically biased try to go at that, and they all start grabbing it from their side and just start shredding it. And the minute you start shredding it, it's game on, which isn't best for our country. This isn't the best way to solve uh, what's going on in Baltimore. The the cable news is not a good way to to solve really anything. Or partisanship, because this is a problem that's bigger than partisanship, right? This is just uh, this is this is something we have to solve. I'm telling you. Any other news? Any happy news? Happy I, I news? Want something happy? Oh, I found one yesterday, okay. and I, I wanted to Good. save it just for you. Okay. The FDA approved yes a drug for double chin fat. What? <laughs> Why did you say for me? Oh, no specific reason. 
Just thought maybe you'd be interested in this kind of, of, uh, of news. Well, why, the, why, uh, why, why? Let's just go back the to food, that real fast. The Food and Drug Administration has approved a drug that works to reduce double chin fat. The injectable drug oh, uh, it comes from a California company. And they double give chin you all fat. This stuff, which claims that the drug will be sold under the brand Kybella. So look for Kybella. Well, Kybella is better than double has, chin chat. It is, yeah, it is proven both safe and effective in clinical studies. For the first time, people have access to an FDA-approved non-surgical treatment for double chins. <laughs> Though it was funny because the article really didn't go into how it works. It just says it reduces double chin without going in and having any sort of surgery. You know what I've noticed about double chins is if you look up. Yeah, it goes away. It goes away. And then you go down. So, And when you go down, it comes back. So I think that has something to do symbolically with looking up to heaven. Okay. When you look to heaven, you have no double chin. Okay. And when you look down toward the other place, double chins. I think that's part of what will be hell, <laughs> is you'll have a life of double chins. More double chins, unless they can, you know. Eternal existence drug works. double chins. Also, the German measles. Yes. Has been eradicated from North and South America, health officials say. Really? Yeah. We're done with it. Well, until somebody from somewhere else brings it back over. Double chins and the measles. The measles. German measles. The World Health Organization. Yes. Who? 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 They say it's been over five years since the case of German measles, also known as rubella, originated in either North or South America. In any case in the region... Are, haven't been imported from elsewhere. So that's we're okay. News. We're it, great. It, it joins the ranks of uh, polio and smallpox. But see, you know what? I think that's the problem. We've gotten rid of polio. We've gotten rid of German measles. How's but that, a that problem? darn double chin. Oh, the double chin. We're but just barely attacking it. FDA drug approved. I can't believe. I'm trying to figure out why you wanted you wanted to give me that one. I like, just felt maybe that would somewhere it would hit home with you. Maybe there's some aspect of your life that uh, could reflect positively on such news. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. You need to communicate more clearly. <laughs> that is just, it just almost seemed rude. It's kind of passive aggressive, I it know. It's very <laughs> passive aggressive. You don't attack a man's chins. Well, I left it out there. You're the one that applied it to your no, chin. You, no, you I said, said. I said you may find this interesting. You apply it to some... I might find an your... article that double chins is being cured interesting. Yes. That's just crazy. I mean, it's almost as if you're acting as if I have double chins. You're applying meaning to this. I simply, because I looked at it and thought, wow, they can cure double chins. I thought maybe that was something okay. you had to deal with on your own. Maybe there's some plastic surgery. <sighs> you're applying it on a very personal level. Yeah, it seemed kind of personal. Maybe you should talk to somebody about this. About it. Apparently, I have. You have friends. I'm going to talk they to come Tom. on the show. <laughs> My producer says I have double chins. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, hour number one uh, in in the in the can. We're done. We're done. When we come back next hour, more headlines, more ideas, more tools, and then awesome, awesome authors going to be joining us. Uh, Karen Dillon is an author that wrote a book uh, with Clayton Christensen. How will you measure your life? If somebody came up, put a microphone right in front of your face, and asked, "How will you measure your life?" What would your answer be? We'll be talking about it. The tools, ideas to help you live healthier and longer. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon. Oh, actually, it's morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. 
I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, the program where we do what we can uh, three hours a day to help you live a better life, give you the tools you need, love stronger, live longer, and uh, lead your family, lead your life. Again, my hero of the day is the Baltimore mother who went after her son and just took him on. Oh, I loved that. Now, it wasn't the best parenting model uh, necessarily of how you handle a conflict. However. How else do you handle your, your child that's trying to throw bricks In at the, the middle of a riot, right. Except, here's what I think was so cool about it. Where were the other 150 mothers or fathers? Actually, where were the other fathers? Right. That mother went in, made it happen, and... Uh, so, you know, we're sitting out in front of the Marriott Center on Brigham Young Campus, and we're talking uh, today about better relationships. But as we're sitting here, 20,000 women are filing into uh, an arena called the Marriott Center on Brigham Young Campus, and they're here to learn, and here to learn how to be better people, here to learn how to be better um, just better citizens, better spiritually-minded people, and... We are honored to be a part of that. That's why I wanted to hold out that on, on, the, on the sidewalk. Or on the sidewalk. Yeah, they don't let us in for some reason. Yeah. We really wanted to be inside the building. Yeah. And they said, no, but you can do anything you want from the parking lot. <laughs> anyway, not to be rude. But uh, I think in the end, one of the things uh, that I wanted to hold up with that woman who took her son on is... you seen the interviews with her? Yeah. Reed? She's been on several of the networks. They had the they, one interview I saw was her sitting next to her son and her son explaining yeah. and obviously embarrassed. Oh, but. can you imagine that boy though? Like, oh man, can you imagine the fear that he had when he looks over <laughs> and his mama's standing right there? Oh, that was a great moment. So for mothers around the world, that there's a great example. And I think pretty much every mother on earth would do that. If she saw her boy about to throw bricks and rocks. My mom would. Would she? Oh yeah. Oh, mine would probably call somebody to go get me. She's smart that way. She's like, I'm not going to go into a riot zone. Go get my boy, though. It's it's a powerful thing. And um, so, again, celebrating moms, women here at Women's Conference on Brigham Young Campus. Uh, interesting thing we've got coming up. We're going to be talking about um, just what healthy couples do. A lot of times, you know, in the news you hear about messed up couples, divorcing couples, and we always find out that there's so many things that couples are doing wrong. I want to talk about the five healthy uh activities, behaviors, habits that uh, healthy couples do regularly. So we'll we'll be getting into that in just a little bit. Um, anything going on in the news? Not a positive story to start with. Okay. But so uh, the first... Start. Is it is it better than the last offensive story Ooh. about double uh, chins that you brought up? That wasn't offensive. I simply said you may find this no, interesting. No, you said I've got a news story that I think you'll like about double chins. Again, you're applying it to yourself. I simply meant it might be interesting. Uh, we are going to record that. And actually, James, I'd like you to rewind that, get that ready to rewind, and I'd like to hear his actual audio. The first three months of 2015 saw numbingly low economic growth of just 0.2%. Oh, that's scary. That fell short of the predicted 1% growth. So 0.2% short the of the 1%, did, yes. but a healthy economy is like a 2% or 3% growth, right? That's what they say. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's anemic. Economists blame bad weather that slowed projects and consumer purchases as well as a drop in exports. So, so once again, we're back to global warming. 2% growth, also a fraction of uh, the average economic growth. 
of uh, 2.4% of last year. Yeah. The whole year was 2.4%. The entire so, year. So yeah. we're pretty much just back to the last year, but we've had a few great months. So yes. everyone was all so jazzed This up. could be a blip. It could yeah. be a trend, but we won't know for six months. We'll see. Well, and we've got to have better weather. You know, summer's coming. Or it's here, depending on where you live. A new survey from Harvard University of Politics found that 49% of millennials 18 to 29 aren't confident the U.S. judicial system will fairly judge people without bias Mm. for race and ethnicity. What percent? 49%. Yeah. They're not confident in the system. 35% of the poll respondents said they had not much faith in the justice system's fairness, while 14% had no confidence in the system at all. Oh, my heavens. So how do you live in a system and trust a system that you don't trust? You throw bricks, I That's guess. That's exactly right. When times get bad, you go crazy. <laughs> says on the other side, 40% of respondents said that they had some confidence in the justice system, but only 9% had a lot of confidence in the justice system. <sighs> that's the division, isn't it? So I don't know if that's reflective of what's actually happening, or it's more important that that's what they think. Well, and two... Because that mean, changes their their shapes, their behavior, right. and their the choices. The minute you so. think that, you're going to start feeling that. And the minute you feel that, you're going to do that. And the minute you do that, you're going to become that. And then all of a sudden, bada boom, bada bing. It's Whoa. Over. It's over. Then you got double chins. Bada boom, bada bing. The problem is, um, <laughs> is this a communication problem? Is yeah. it is it that we're not communicating what we're doing as a justice department or a justice system? Well, like... What is it? In Baltimore, it's been, what, 10 days? Mm-hmm. More than that. And we still don't know what happened to... Mr. Gray in the back of that van. I know. And and we probably won't know till really some, the weekend, not there's even some Friday. sort of anecdotal type of, of uh, stories that have been out, but the yeah. police haven't come out and said, this is what happened. Yeah. And so, and so again, kind of, and Baltimore's an anomaly because they, they really have extra rights for police officers that most, like 45 other states don't have. And those stem some, from some of their past problems they've had in the city. Yeah. Where they tried to, okay, they protect the cops here and then... They've had, I mean, th- these these problems they've been having between the citizens and the police have been going on for decades. Yeah. And as they you, have in many cities. So imagine that you're a 14-year-old boy and you have now seen kind of the Trayvon Martin case. You've seen the Ferguson case. You've seen um, the case uh, in Baltimore. What are you supposed to think? Yeah. These yeah. are the examples you have. Yeah. You know, and then you have a history of... Uh, problems in the 70s, problems in the 80s. There's some uh, some civil problems, some unrest yeah. in, in the city. And this is the history you, you're told from your family. Yeah. And then you're going to share this with the the, the the you know kids in in your future that will be around you, listening to you talk about when right. you were a kid and this happened. That's right. This is why we're you know, probably yeah. So trust is down. Trying to change that narrative is the problem. It just kind of self perpetuates and yeah. keeps going. And as you, tr- you, I don't know. And then who are they going to listen to to change the, the right. po- you know, even the politicians? They ran into the situation and didn't know what to do properly, oh. right? Well, they still don't, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, they just, they're going to turn it partisan, and so we don't want that to happen. I think that's one of the reasons why we have to have the conversations. The more, I'm a big believer that the way you change a symbol is through our interactions and our conversations about it. But you, what we, I think, desperately are in need of is a leader. We need some iconic figure to step in. We need an MLK Martin Luther King to step in. Somebody that can lead uh, lead a discussion at a higher level, not just – and actually address both sides of the issue and – or the very multiple sides of the issue. And I'm not sure we have that yet. No. Everyone seems to have an agenda when they show up. Yeah. They have a – a charity, they have some sort of civic movement that they want to get behind and kind of 
publicize yeah. as they're also trying to be the leader in these sort of flash areas that happen across the country. Right, right. You see the same faces yeah. showing up in Ferguson and showing up in New York and showing up in Baltimore. Well, and this goes to our earlier hour. So maybe what we're doing in our system is uh, because we elect our leaders in such a partisan way, we're not necessarily always electing a leader. You're electing – it's kind of like just because you get a quarterback on a football team, it doesn't mean he's a leader. Right. Just because he's athletically able, just because he's got every other you know, ability to do something as a quarterback, doesn't mean he can actually lead the team and get their heart and get their buy-in. And and then it's other. It's interesting, too, but you may have a leader that doesn't have half the skills. It reminds me of like Ty Detmer, who didn't seem to like – he didn't have a gun of an arm. Half of his throws, you're like, that was a weird throw. Yeah. But he could. He had these leadership skills that got team members to buy into him, and it helped him, I guess, get a Heisman, basically. And it, that had to develop over several seasons, several oh, yeah. years. And the same way with politics, you put these people up there to vote for them, and are they really the person you want to be? The, do they have those skills? Right, right. Do they have the, that those leadership abilities? And they say they do. Yeah. They might talk a good game. They but when they get up there, you know, all of a sudden they decorate their office like Downton Abbey, you know? <laughs> and it's and like, they, wait, and that's have, not leadership. You know, if your congressman has an ab workout, right. you're probably looking at the wrong If he's on the front cover of Men's guy. Health, you're like, yeah. well, that's not really what wow. we want to see. My congressman's ripped. Yeah. That's <laughs> what you need in life. That is a phrase you will never hear, except in one or two places. Man, my congressman is ripped. His office looks like Downton Abbey. Anywho, uh, so we're not in trouble. We just we just got to push it. That's why we do the show, folks, to give you uh, uh, some ideas and a voice. Let's have a voice where we could be more collaborative, more cooperative, better leadership. It's the goal of the show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the five habits healthy couples do regularly. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on uh, BYU campus on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, broadcasting live uh, at Women's Conference on Brigham Young University's campus, a conference where, I don't know, roughly 20,000 women gather to uh, to just strengthen each other, to, you know, take classes, grow, be edified. And we're broadcasting live out in front of the Marriott Center. So we sit here, and uh, as the ladies are streaming in, we um, try to make eye contact without seeming awkward, which is very, very difficult. Anyway, folks, uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting uh, show. We've talked a lot about politics and the partisan nature of politics. Let's bring partisanship a little bit down to a, to a more basic level. And, again, I'm a relationship coach, spend uh, a lot of my time working with couples that are struggling. And because our, our own board operator, James Birdsall, is getting married in two days, I thought I would dedicate a little time to him, to help him grow a healthier, happier relationship. Now, what's great about it is James, because he's in another building, he can't talk. We're not allowing him to talk. So he just has to sit and listen, which I think is so beneficial for him, really, quite honestly. Um, here's the deal. And I don't, you, everybody's always like, oh, yeah, newlyweds, they have no idea how hard this is going to be for them. And they always get really negative about it. And I don't think that that's a, a particularly healthy way to teach it. So here's the basic gist 
of relationships. And I'm just going to shoot straight, okay? It's like, um, it's like a rocket ship. <laughs> we need a lot of fuel. We need a lot of energy, right, to get a rocket off of the launch pad out into orbit. And that pretty much is what every new relationship is like. We expend a ton of fuel. We expend a ton of energy. A lot of stuff has to happen to get a couple together, to get them to like each other long enough, to get married, to make those commitments. And then once they're into space, it's it, it, it seems a lot easier, but you still have millions of miles to fly. Millions of miles to fly. But you can do it a little easier in a way because you're kind of tied together. And also, though, you're sometimes at odds with each other. So one of the things that I teach that, that kind of, I think, helps everybody is I teach there's three stages that we go through in our relationships. And I want James and Kaylee to know this before they get married. And so basically, here's the three stages. The first stage I call the yearning stage. Yearning stage is where we have really high chemistry and really low clarity, right? So the yearning stage is always filled with tons of yearning. In fact, if you've ever been to like a wedding shower of two newly or newly engaged kids, just so cute. They just, you just, they're cute. And you just want to just pinch their little cheeks. And they're so excited. Oh, my gosh, we're getting married. Now, in the same room, though, you notice that there's people at other stages of the relationship, right? So the newlyweds are kind of yearning. High chemicals, really low clarity, I call that. Really high chemicals because they're jazzed. They're so excited. Clarity's a little lower because their chemistry kind of doesn't always keep them thinking straight, right? The next stage of love is what we call the earning stage. Now, the earning stage is what you see pretty much 80% of the people at the shower or the, you know, whatever, the any anywhere you go. 80% of the people are probably in more of an earning stage of love, where it's not just free. When you're yearning, it's always chemically free. It's the easiest thing in the world. In fact, think about it. Two people that fall in love, what did they actually have to do to fall in love? You know? I mean, I, I see all of these BYU students that are my producers. They're all falling in and out of love all the time. But one of our producers, Kaylee Danes, is uh, she's she's fallen in and out of love, like, nonstop. And um, it's kind of, it's just fun to watch anyway she really doesn't but i just said that because that was funny and it made her freak out but here's the deal um but we all have really high we really have we always have really high yearning and really low uh high chemistry and really low clarity and so we've got to remember when we get into this we always start that way but that's not just with marriage that's not just with relationships that's with everything we do right do you remember when you went to college how exciting that was always oh, gonna be so fun what could be more fun than being on a college campus living in a dorm I can't think of anything more fun than that how long did that excitement last folks it doesn't last does it I mean it doesn't last permanently five weeks they're telling me and eventually you're done you're tired you're exhausted you can't do it anymore that's uh because the yearning stage eventually fades do you remember when you bought a new dog oh it was the cutest thing you brought that cute oh that dog was so cute remember the little puppy oh the little puppy and then what happened then that little puppy's chewing on your piano just gnawing his little puppy teeth all over your piano and then you're like you got to kill the puppy but we love puppies, so we can't kill them. So now what do we have to do? Now we have to earn it. Now we have to earn the love. You have to earn it. See, at first it's easy to love a puppy, but once it's chewing on your piano, now you've got to earn it. 
that's pretty much what happens in every loving relationship. Every baby's always so fun and cute to bring home, aren't they? Oh, they're so cute. And then they're colicky. And then once they're colicky, that makes it harder. So we always have high chemistry. And then eventually, it's that's the yearning. That's what I call free. It's just free love. And in fact, we love our lives because everything feels so great. When you ask somebody at that stage, What's so great about life and love? You're like, oh, I just, I couldn't imagine being without my wife. I could never, I can't even leave her. I can't leave her side. I want to always be with her. That's the yearning stage. It's free. It's easy. You did nothing to get that. Now, let's not discourage. Eventually, you're going to enter the next stage of love, which is where you've got to earn it. It doesn't mean you can't have chemistry because you totally can. It's just that chemistry is not always going to be the driving force of the relationship. Eventually, you have to earn the chemistry, and eventually, you have to earn uh, the passion and the excitement and the energy. You have to give the charity, and you have to you have to be doing things to earn it. So, think about the stages you're in. James is right now in the yearning stage, and I've talked to him about it. And he's get it. He and Kaylee, they get it. And it doesn't mean that the yearning's going to go away. It just means eventually he'll have to replace the chemistry with something else. Not just chemistry, but he'll have to replace it with character. And our character is what's going to grow the relationship. It's what's going to make the relationship stick. It's what's going to make sure we're in it. This is one of the reasons, folks, why they we make covenants, we make commitments, we make promises before we get married. We do that because everybody on earth knows once the chemistry kind of fades back to normal chemistry, you're going to be left with nothing more than two people and a lot of uh, character. So then we use our character to start growing the relationship. I'm not a big believer that relationships should always be easy, and I'm not a believer that they should always be hard. I don't think that has to happen either. I do believe that they just need to be um, they need to be there to help us grow. They need to be there to help us become better people. So three, two stages of love. We're going to come back and talk more about the third stage of love, and, and really it's a byproduct of what we do in, in this earning stage. So think about your marriage. Think about your relationships. What are you doing in your life? Are you one who is getting to a point where uh, you are earning that that love? Are you getting to a, a position, a state of being where you're working hard for it? Instead of just giving up on it and wishing that you could just have what you used to have, at some point uh, we have to start working for it and in behalf of it. We'll come back, talk more about that. Again, we're broadcasting to you live uh, right in front of the Marriott Center on BYU campus. BYU Women's Conference is underway. They're uh, they're gathering together 20,000-plus women to learn and be edified. Um, this is a, it's actually a pretty incredible scene when you look at it. We'll take a break, my friends, back in a minute right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program again. Hey, we've been talking about uh, love and our relationships. I've been mentioning that I believe there's three stages of uh, of love, and, I, and I'm doing this, you know, it, it's a dedication to James Birdsall and his lovely fiance, fiance Kaylee. They, uh, they're getting married on Saturday, and... Uh, you know, I, we kept thinking we'd get them in um, and have a little interview on the air. 
And for some odd reason, Kaylee never wanted that, I guess. <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, free coaching hour with uh, Dr. Matt Townsend on the radio. And apparently that scared her a lot. So we instead are just going to uh, dedicate this session to James and Kaylee. We've been talking about the three stages of love. And, and the funniest thing about it is every single one of us has gone through this, right? We always have really high chemistry. That always happens, right? For a bit. Actually, the research shows that you do have elevated levels of chemistry in your relationship um, for a period of time, about six months to three years. And uh, then, then it tends to fade. And again, don't be depressed. That doesn't mean, oh, we'll never have chemistry again. You will. You will. It's just, it's just not always as easy as it will be in the first six months to, to three years. And why I think that really is and, and what that's about is it's, I, I call it the mate and switch. Okay, it's an illegal marketing practice that apparently nature or God plays on us where we get so caught up in our chemistry with each other that we uh, we go get married and we don't even half the time know we don't have a clue who we're marrying. But we feel so good about it. Oh, my word. It's so exciting. And so um, what happens is we get married. We have a relationship. And um, then we find out six months to three years into it that we start to to have a little harder go okay i always equate this i had a son that went on a 50 mile hike once and in the middle of the 50 mile uh, actually before the 50 mile hike he's like dad this is going to be the greatest thing in the world oh my heavens what could be better than 50 miles with uh my friends and i'm like what he said dad we get to go out we're going to be hiking for 50 miles and we can carry our stuff and we don't have to bathe and we can just hang out? What what could be better than that? And I'm like, are you serious, man? What are you talking about? What could be better? I don't know. How about a colonoscopy? Yeah, that would be better. Let's get a colonoscopy. That's got to be better than 50 miles with your friends. But he was so giddy. He was so excited about it, wasn't he? Why would he be so excited about it? Because he's got really high chemistry, really low clarity. He doesn't have a clue what he's getting into. And when we're in a relationship, that's how most of them start. That's how most of our jobs start. We're always way excited about our job without being clear exactly what it's going to be like. And then eventually the chemistry fades and the clarity goes up. And now you get into this next stage of life where you have to earn it. So when my son's excited to go on a 50-miler, he'll be excited with his buddies probably two and a half miles into the 50 miles. That'll be fun and exciting for about two and a half miles. But about two and a half miles in, the chemistry might fade a bit. And when the chemistry fades, then he's got to start to earn it. And earning it means it's no longer free. You can't just be excited about it. And because you can't just be excited about it, you got to start earning it. So how would my son earn a 50-mile hike. He'd have to work for it. He'd have to take and, and start climbing and work it and climb 10 miles a day. Now, here's the dilemma, and I think a lot of us run into this in our relationships, so I'm counseling James and Kaylee uh, not to watch out for this. When we're first yearning and first in love, we feel so good about it that we do everything we need to do to make things work. Because we feel it, we do it. Our feelings drive our actions. It's a very basic part of yearning. The problem is once the yearning fades away, then we have to change the model a little bit. Because what am I supposed to do when I don't feel like walking 50 more miles? What am I supposed to do in my marriage when I don't feel like you know, being supportive all the time? What am I supposed to do with my job when I don't feel like going in anymore? 
That's where we have to earn it by exercising more character and pushing out, uh, you know, harder work and just doing what we've committed to do, living up to our commitments. And in this stage, that's where first we have to act and then the feelings come. In the earning stage of love, it's different than the yearning stage. In the yearning stage, we feel it. That's why we act on it. In the earning stage, we have to act in order to feel. Do you know how many times when I sit with my clients, they sit down and tell me, you know, I just don't feel what I used to feel for my husband. I don't feel it. I just don't. I don't know what it is, but I'm not feeling it. Obviously, they're in the they're in the earning stage. Sure. And then you know what they always say? I've I've fallen out of love. I've fallen out of love. I mean, I love him. I'm just not in love with him. I hear that all the time. And I, I always think, well, what does that mean? Because you don't fall out of love. How do you? I never fell out of love with my grandma. I'm like, Grandma, urgh, it's not you. It's me. I just don't feel it for you, Grandma. But what you've fallen out of is the chemistry. And you're right. So if you think love is just chemistry, you're setting yourself up. You're going to fall out of that eventually. Then you have to earn it, and you work for it, and you care for it, and you take care of it, and you serve it, and you, you do everything you can. You live in your commitments. You, you, know, you live your marriage covenants. You live your marriage commitments, your promises, and you don't do it because it's fun, and you don't do it because you're getting paid off, and you don't do it because it's good, and you don't do it because it's easy. You do it because it's right, and then slowly you start to earn, and you earn, and you earn. Just like my son, how's he going to climb 50 miles when he doesn't feel it? he's just going to climb. And if he'll climb seven and a half miles at the end of that first day, everyone will be exhausted. They'll just die. They'll drop almost dead on the ground. And then about a half hour later, you know, they'll eat their Twizzlers. They'll drink their root beer. They'll start running around the camp. They'll get their tents up. And then, boom, they'll start to feel it again. They don't feel it uh, because it's just natural. They feel it because they worked for it, because they dedicated their, their day to it. That's called the earning stage. And then the very last stage that uh, I would just suggest that we get to as fast as we can get to it is what I call the enduring love stage. It doesn't mean endure to the end and just put up with the messed up partner. Oh, I made such a mistake. But enduring love means you, you no longer have to fight to earn the love anymore because you just kind of get it now. You get it. And here's what's cool. You get the chemistry and the love and the connection, and you're fully informed about wh- who your partner is. They no longer surprise you. You know exactly what they're bringing to the table. You know they're, the biscuits that they cook, they're always going to be burnt. You know, they'll be, they, you know they'll be burnt. You know he's not going to ever really you know, keep the yard up like you always thought you're, you would, or like your dad did. He's not going to do that. You now know what you've got, and because you've worked so hard with each other, you now want no one else. And you don't, it's not because it's just perfect and it's not because it's ideal. It's because you've become so different in how you've worked with this person that it changed you. It changes you. And so why I think that's so important is if you think love is supposed to be reciprocal, meaning if you think in your your marriage that, uh, you know, you love him, he loves you 50-50 or 100-100, whatever equation you want to put on it, you're setting yourself up because I believe there will be a day in every one of our relationships, in every marriage you'll ever be in, there will be a day where the love won't be able to be reciprocated, right? Where your partner will be too sick to actually love you back 
or to actually, you know, make your favorite meal and to show you love that way. And because that day will eventually come, if you think love is that I meet your needs, you meet my needs, I meet your needs, you meet my needs, then in the end, I think you're going to be let down a little bit. Um, in the end, here's an example. I, I learned this. I didn't know this. My parents divorced when I was young, and so I kind of watched everyone else's parents. I was kind of known as the creepy Townsend kid that always watches all these adults in their relationships. And um, But what I would do is... I would sit there and I'd watch people. So when I started dating my now wife, so are you. You're awesome, too. Um, just a passerby telling me I'm awesome. Um, so when I was dating my wife, I would watch her grandparents and her my parents, uh, my in-laws and my grandparents-in-law. And one of the things that I found that was so amazing is my wife's grandparents, Bill and Margaret, they loved each other fully, Right. But every time I'd ever see them with each other, Bill would be holding Margaret's hand. He'd be just holding her hand. And Margaret was uh, a tiny, petite little woman. Bill was a big, like, six-foot-four, uh, strapping, wonderful man who um, who just took care of her. And he loved her always. He always took care of her. And, and really, you know, she was important to him. But one of the things I found is they would they would – they'd compensate for each other. And in the marriage, what had happened is it was kind of an old school marriage. Typical bill would go to work, bring home money. Margaret would basically budget the money, take care of the household, Bill did everything on the outside of the house. Margaret did everything on the inside of the house and he served her. He cared for her. They cared for each other. And I learned a very valuable lesson. Um, when Margaret got Alzheimer's after about 60, no, 50 years of marriage, Margaret got Alzheimer's. And she was no longer able to take care of Bill like she had taken care of him. She was no longer able to do what needed to be done uh, for Bill. And it was really one of the first times that Bill had to fully lose himself serving Margaret. And he had to bathe her and he had to clothe her and feed her and take care of her. And he did everything for this woman. And um, I noticed something really interesting. It started to change him in a way that I hadn't ever seen. He always protected her. He always went to work for her, but he never, he never did other things. He never, um, he never had to like lose himself fully in her day-to-day life and, and understand her more fully. And uh, one day, in fact, we went over, took him to dinner, and as we were waiting for dinner, he was in, uh, uh, he was in doing Margaret's hair. And it took like a half hour. And I'm like, come on, Bill, come on, let's let's go to dinner. Let's go. He's like, come just a minute. I got it, just a minute. Finally, he came out, and Margaret's hair looked perfect. It was beautiful. He had just worked about 45 minutes on her hair. And Bill's hair was all over the place. It was all over the place. And when, he, when we were putting the ladies in the car, I asked, Bill, what's the big deal about her hair? Why do you spend so much time on her hair? And he told me, you know what, Matt, honestly, uh, that's what she'd want. She'd want to look good. She'd want to make sure I took her out presentable. And right then I got it. That uh, this last stage of love is if we've been with somebody and we've used our character to grow our relationship with each other, then eventually what it becomes is it's no longer about me. I'm benefiting in the relationship, but I'm not benefiting because of what I'm getting. I'm benefiting because of what I'm giving. And uh, anyway, after 54 years, Margaret died. And we we uh, got to be there uh, and put and actually tuck Bill into bed the night that uh, his beautiful wife had passed away. And I remember he he cried himself to sleep. This man 
cried himself to sleep. And then he said something that was so profound to me. He said, now who am I going to serve? And he was devastated. And um, then about two months later, we went to a family reunion. And at the family reunion, we had a really cool moment where Bill stood up in front of everybody and he taught this most amazing lesson. He said, look, I spent my entire life loving one woman. I spent my entire life giving and caring and serving one woman. But then he said, but I did not come to fully love her until the last few uh, years of her life when I fully gave myself to her. And then he taught all of his grandkids this lesson. Do not wait until your partner is sick and dying to earn that enduring love. Earn it now. Work for that love now. Take care of them now. Serve them now so that you can basically become converted to them. So that you can change and become what you need to be because of who you've been with. And it was the most selfless thing I've ever learned. And I found out that in all honesty, that's probably how you create a healthy relationship, right? That's how you do it. You can yearn all you want, but it's kind of a cheap love. It's an easy love. It was free. You did nothing to get that kind of love. Then you have to earn the love. And then eventually, if you work hard enough on the you know mountain of life and take care of each other, and you'll both do it, serving and connecting and using character with each other, if you'll do that long enough, then guess what happens? You become changed. And then at the end, you, you have the character to kind of go through those other times, those more, um, I guess those more special times where it's just going to be kind of one-sided service. Now, obviously, anybody can break those patterns by becoming abusive or becoming unhealthy. Um, and I'm not saying every marriage has to work. But I'm just saying if you want to make a marriage work, you got to exercise character. You got to earn it. It will always start free, and it will always end freeing if you'll if you'll earn in the middle. Make sense? Pretty basic idea. Pretty basic idea. A little coach's corner for you, my friends. And again, that's for James and Kaylee. Now I know they're going to be great, and James already knows this because he's heard me teach it a million times. But in the end, folks. Three stages of love, it's three stages of life. We have it everywhere we go, whether that's your job, whether that's, you know, whatever you're doing in life, it's going to be yearning, earning, and eventually you're going to, you will have earned it enough to just have an enduring legacy with it. We're going to take a break, my friends, when we come back, do a little, uh, a few more headlines. We're talking the Matt Townsend Show. We're doing the, the show live here on BYU campus, right uh, in front of the Marriott Center, where 20,000 women are gathering for Women's Conference It's quite the party, my friends. This is seriously an amazing gathering. Where else do you find 20,000 women gathering uh, to learn, to grow, to be spiritually uplifted? It's happening here on BYU campus. We'll take a break. Come back. After the break, you're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, broadcasting live here from the Marriott Center uh, on BYU campus, where about 20,000 women are gathering for Women's Conference. It's, it's a really, it's an amazing sight. They come, they learn, they take classes, and uh, it's pretty powerful to see this many uh, moms, sisters, friends, daughters, grandmothers all gathering to learn and to uh, 
to be edified one with another, getting lots of thumbs ups. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've had a great show. We've been talking uh, about um, just the three stages of love, which is fantastic. I noticed when I did the three stages, though, Terry, you left. Yes. Um, and it's funny. I'm more of a 12-step program guy. So yeah, that's totally three true, is though, a little, isn't it? little short. You try, it's so true. You're probably more, <laughs> if we mix the two, you're probably like, more like 36 steps. Yeah, really. I and mean, then, if you want to be. And then you'd be the quarter of the way there. Quarter of the way there. Hey, um, we, we captured some audio because earlier you did a news story about how triple chins. Double chins. Uh, double chins. Triple are, is the next step in the yeah, technology. Yeah, you don't yes. want to push yes. the technology that far. But uh, we, I wanted to capture the audio, and so James has actually captured the audio, and we're going to hear exactly what you did say about triple chins because I was a little offended. I wanted to save it just for you. That's, you, so just for you. You wanted to save the story yes. about double chins. Just for you. Well, okay. Le, okay. I don't see that as incriminating in any way. I do a show uh, for three hours. And pretty much everything you fact. do is you, you do with me. Yes, in support of your yeah, efforts. Yeah, okay, yes. in support of my efforts. Which is weird because you, you specifically wanted to save the double chin story. And you specifically wanted to save it for me. Yes. Even though everything you do is already for me. Right. It's a little redundant, but I think it still was effective in communicating what I wanted to do there. You weren't directing it at me. No, really, I was. Oh, you were? Yes, this was for you. For my A lot of times we're sharing the news, a lot of times, because we're talking to a vast audience here. Yeah. And this one I meant especially for you. Okay. So it was really a story... Only for me. I was taking a shot at you, yes. Okay, yes, I was. Okay. Good. This is what you want to have established and out there in the open is I took a shot. You took a you took a shot not at me. Yeah. You took a shot at my double chins. Well, I mean, if if I could help your life somehow. You're helping all these people. I know. You give all kinds of tips. and I know. Help, and I know. I'm helping you. There's a drug you, on the market. It's been approved shot. by the FDA. You can fix the double chin. Oh, so rude. <laughs> It's just rude. Uh, any other headlines that might apply to you? Uh, today is National Honesty Day. That could help me out a little okay. bit there. Yeah, that's not it. <laughs> that's not even close. So make up for all the pranks on the first of the month. Yeah. Because April 1st, right? Today's National Honesty Day. So today is your chance to make up for all the times you've been dishonest, dishonest. with the people around you. That's good. That's really good. So be cautious, though. Remember, sometimes the truth hurts. It totally hurts. Yeah. Hence Even, the double yeah, chins. Yeah. Yeah, the passive-aggressive stuff hurts a lot. All sorts of negative news involved with, obviously, the earthquake in Nepal. Yeah, how, how are they doing there? Uh, it's still tragic. pretty much the same. As we've talked about, there's some difficulties getting supplies they in because the supplies they, in. there's one airport in the region because of the uh, – it, and it's to support people climbing Mount Everest. That's yeah. really the point it's of the, the airport. Mount Everest airport. So we're not looking at like you know this huge municipal airport. Right, lots no. of it's it's. Kind so of you a, can't get supplies in. You can't do everything you need. To at do. least at a high rate, they're getting right. supplies, but it's really slow. slow. And steady, so. On Thursday, rescue workers and onlookers in Kathmandu got a rare piece of good news. Almost five days after, almost exactly after the 7.8 earthquake, uh, a teenage boy was pulled from the rubble alive. Oh, how great is that? The boy, five the, days. The boy had spent 144 hours trapped under the and the pancaked, waterlogged ruins of the seven-story Hilton that oh, he was in. Uh, apparently, it fell on him. He was on his motorcycle, oh. and the building collapsed, and he was able to survive for for uh, five days. And uh, 
they they found. And I, I guess the motorcycle helped to keep the debris completely from uh, from crushing crushing him. So he's able to survive there. That's amazing. That is amazing. So at five, what do you do? I mean, at what point in your mind do you think you just give up? Like at five days, you're under all this yeah. rubble. You probably hear, you know. I'm rubbles. gonna guess you lose track of time. Time doesn't yeah, mean anything at that point. Yeah, maybe he was unconscious at that point. Yeah. Well, well I mean, we talked yesterday about another person that had uh, 80 dead bodies around him, and yes. he was recovered. I mean, this is this is what you find here: slow, yeah. slow uh, recover or uh, slow um, efforts at trying to get uh, everybody out of these buildings. It's tragic. They continue. Uh, they're, so they're continuing to find people. There's a search team from Virginia that's there, and another search team from Los Angeles that are there, and they. Uh, they're hoping to continue to, to have successful efforts there as they okay. continue to search for people. Wow. Um, let me see here. Here we go. Russia and China want to build a space moon or a moon base. Russia and China want to build a moon, moon base. base. <laughs> they had both their their heads uh, of their their, their respective space departments yeah. met. Yeah. The, well, this this the space. The space heads. The question being discussed is bringing China in as the main partner in creating this lunar scientific station or not. They've decided probably it's a good good idea. It's a good idea. China they wants don't, They to... don't like us as much. No, you don't want the U.S. China doesn't world. necessarily like us as much. Right. But they could like each other. Right. And so, they're, they're closer. They're adjacent. Well, what's scary is do we want Russia and China to uh, start, you know, basically running the moon? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it just it just seems like... We're, we're not doing much with it. Eh, it's true, but it just seems like last a lot thing, to give up. Last thing we did like, is we, we launched a satellite and crashed it into it, just because we were trying to see if there's water up there. I just feel like maybe we ought to keep our eye on the moon. And, you know, I just worry if we turn it over to China, they're going to start building, like we talked about, building cities that no one can live in apparently russia has plans oh, okay they want to build their own space station of course they do they don't want to be part of the international space station anymore <laughs> so they're, they're 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 looking that direction they might might maybe maybe not also they're uh, they believe that the moon is the moon's natural resources are ripe for mining great so you're going to look up at the moon and there's going to be a big mining operation yeah with chinese and russians Absolutely. Why not? That sounds great. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen? Maybe they are not really going to mine. Maybe they're going to build a laser. They could. That we, they would redirect back to the United States. We've talked about space-based lasers that they were, they've were they been discussing. Hold Japan also has been discussing such technology. It's tragic. These are all possibilities. Oh, the tangled web. Well, okay. That's good stuff. Let's... Uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, my friends, a whole new hour. More ideas, more tools right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Broadcasting live right in front of the Marriott Center on BYU campus. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody welcome to the matt townsend show i'm your host dr matt townsend your coach your guide on the side welcome to the program everybody hey we're broadcasting live uh on byu campus but uh, in front of the B, uh, the marriott center 
which is a, an arena, a stadium, I don't know, holds about 20,000 people or so ish. And uh, it's women's conference on campus, which basically means 20,000 women from across, really, I guess, the country are uh, combining today to um, go to classes and meetings and inspire one another. Um, it's, it's actually a pretty amazing sight when you imagine, you know, these people could spend their time anywhere and they choose instead to come learn and uh, and share with each other. They do a lot of uh, community uh, service kind of projects, humanitarian projects as well. So we're honored to be a part of this and we're seeing a lot of friends and uh, talking to a lot of the listeners here that listen to the show regularly. So, you know, next time you're in town, feel free to drop by. If you're in town, come on by. And you know what? Anytime you come to Utah, we'll take you on a tour of the most incredible broadcasting facility this side of the Mississippi. Did you know that, Terry? No. Terry's new to the show. <laughs> I walk in every day and go, wow. I walk in every day. It's one of the greatest buildings, really, oh, broadcasting yeah. buildings uh, probably in the country, technologically speaking. And, by the way, the most beautiful view ever. In fact, the sun's about to come up over the, our building and then... Blind us, yes. It will blind us, and you both can warm up a bit. It is It is kind of cold. Apparently, one of us was obviously a scout because one of us is wearing a coat. But you always wear a coat. I'm always freezing. Yeah. I'm always freezing. It's because I'm skinny, except for the double chin, which you've already made a big deal about. They have a solution on the market for you. Yeah. Okay. This is a day of celebration for you. Um, and you're taking it negatively. I'm not. Oh, no. I celebrated. I've already put my order in. <laughs> <laughs> There's new medicine to get rid of double chins. Uh, anything going on? We got a great show coming up. Like, did you believe, would you believe that if your child has um, a belief in something, right? Like a belief in, you know, karma, nature, God, do you believe that it would make them happier and healthier? What do you think, Terry? What's your take on that? Well, when I read the article. Oh, you've read the article. Since I sent it to you. Oh. Um, so you've produced the show. Yeah, I did my job. The, the the idea being that you have something to build off of to give you a base in life. You have a foundation. Your, a foundation, your understanding how to, to, to kind of look, okay, this is happening in life. This is where I'm coming from. Yeah. And if you have a foundation that way, you can handle and kind of process that information better. And, and so. It, and you can be happier because you can kind of put things into perspective. Right. It's it's huge, but that's yes. important information because, you know, not having something to base your life and yeah. learning on makes and life re- and religion. Religion's a big question because some people aren't comfortable with religion. Right, they don't want to go that direction. Yeah. But give give a child something of a basis to believe in, some right. moral values, some codes, some sort of, 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 you can set it up as like your family law or something. Yeah. This is the way we operate as people. Set it up as principles. Yeah. Set it up as that there's some universal concepts or principles, ideals. Yeah, you got to have something. And that would, and as the, as the author goes through and talks about, that's that solid foundation for the child for the rest of their life. They can build off of this. That's now, and, so and you don't, you don't necessarily have to set it up as a political party. Nope. You don't have to set it up as a sports. Okay, so what you are, you're a 49ers fan, <laughs> and you're a Republican. That's right. This is who I am. That's what you can believe in. Two things are constant in this life. 49ers and the GOP. Yeah. And, you know, we've just talked about that throughout the show. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, a lot of partisanship going on. And, you know, maybe what's happening in the end is we might care more about our team than our country. Yes. And we think our team is the only way to lift the country. Anyway, that's uh, one of the things we've talked about. We're going to get into that with Dr. Lisa Miller also a little bit uh, in a few minutes about simply getting your kids 
giving them something to believe in. It's a pretty powerful idea. Anything going on in the news? I, uh, I mean, I've heard a lot of whisperings, headlines about something going on tonight. Well, there's the NFL draft. Okay. That's a thing. So that's where all the really rich athletes, or potentially rich athletes, soon to be, finally get to be rich. Yes. Well, soon to the Santa contract. So, so that's coming up. This is so tonight. If if some listener loses their husband, and he's on his recliner chair, yes, for the next for three hours tonight, he's he might be watching the draft. Maybe. It is. Uh, it has turned out to be quite the ratings grabber. People enjoy watching a guy walk up every once in a while and say, "With the first pick." How, how much? How much time do they have between picks? Oh, I can't remember. Is it five minutes? But like they start a clock, and you've yeah. got this clock ticking, and they've got five minutes to make the pick, and you can see the teams like negotiating and and maneuvering, and it's pretty cool. They scramble on their phones. There's some drama involved, yeah. but really they know. You'd think. I mean, you'd hope yeah. they're making massive, important money decisions here. They that's should a have a deal. plan going into this. So they better. They better. Okay, so that's going on tonight. Be looking yes. for that. Other news uh, yesterday. Uh, yeah, Freddie Gray, the yeah. individual that was, was uh, killed in the police custody in Baltimore, that the riots and things and demonstrations have uh, come about. Late Wednesday, the Washington Post reported that it had obtained a sealed police report written by police in which the second per, a second prisoner in that van with Freddie Gray purportedly said that yeah. he could hear Gray banging against the walls, leading the unidentified prisoner to conclude that he was intentionally trying to injure himself. Yeah. Now, this is such a weird leak. Yeah, and that's what that's what the Washington Post their their point was is here's the leak. It's weird because it's not from the police, right. and this well, type of document just doesn't get out. Well, didn't the police commissioner when he made his first announcement, one of the first days, he said that in the transport nothing, the the, the Freddie was calm. There was nothing abnormal yeah. going on in the transport. Yeah, so the, the prisoner was in a different cell in the yeah. van and could see Gray and couldn't see him, but he could hear him. So he yeah. couldn't yeah. see him, but he could hear him. The leaked document was part of a search warrant application for the uh, uniform worn by one of the arresting officers. On Friday, the Baltimore Police Department is turning over to state prosecutors the results of its internal investigation into Brown's death, although the um, – or into Gray's death. Yeah. The uh, the findings won't be made public immediately. Plenty of people are skeptical about oh, the leak wow. and the source yeah, of it and the information leak. altogether. So it's kind of different, but that's out there. You You'll know hear about that. So the minute I heard about this, there's something that we used to do. I was on an ambulance, right? I used to yes. run on an ambulance. And we had this little rule in the ambulance that if I ever had a patient turn on me, because a lot of times you'd go pick up somebody that had just been in a police problem or whatever. And they want to get free. So they sometimes they'd even be handcuffed. Sometimes they're even handcuffed to the gurney. Right. But if that person ever got violent or, or stood up, we had a rule where we would just, I can't remember the word, but we'd just say a word, and the ambulance driver would hit the brakes. Yes. And it would send whoever was standing flying. flying. back, yeah. And I'm not, I'm wondering, it was a way that we could um, kind of take back a situation. Well. And uh, anyway, but if there's something going on. In but, the Baltimore situation, there has been past behavior by the police where this was a tactic oh was it where because they didn't want to lay hands on the prisoner yeah. so they'd leave them unsecure in a, in a vehicle and they'd slam on the brakes or they'd speed oh, up really fast i didn't know that they'd bang around yeah. in there now this happened back in the back in the day like the 70s and 80s yeah and there's okay. some reports that it was discontinued others saying it's continued yeah. just kind of one of those interesting not spoken i mean of honestly things. i i that so the first time i heard the story and 
But then he was also walking really funny, putting him into a thing. But I mean, maybe he was, maybe he was a little injured anyway. Yeah, and that's what we're we're looking at here. Is there's so much unknown, but yeah. we have little bits of information, and you can't really draw conclusions from it. Yeah, you and gotta talk. We, they need they need yeah. they need to be they need to get in front of the story, they and they're not. That's right. They're having an issue that way. Yeah. Um, yesterday, mm-hmm. Microsoft they're holding a conference called Build. It's for developers. Yes. To come in and see what the new Build Build conference. The new. Uh, Developments, I guess, with with Microsoft. Microsoft 10 is going to be coming out later this year. Yes. Or Windows 10, not Microsoft. Are we that high Windows 10. Well, they 10? skipped nine because they want to separate it from eight, which was bad. Yeah. So when you have a bad number, go right. Up just, two. Just that's skip ahead. The rule. It's fine. Skip ahead a number. Part of it go. that's going to affect a lot of people is that Internet Explorer, yeah. the browser, is going to be retired. Oh, that's right. Well, because in the new version, it's tired. It's it's done. It's it's, it's old. They want to sh- they want to move on to something. They else. They need a better name. So they've been. Uh, Floating out this idea, they have a code named. It's called uh, Spartan. Spartan. Right, it's a code name. It's not the name of the product. Microsoft they Spartan. give it a code name as they're working through it, and it's the new browser. And they've shown some, you know, demos of it. It yeah. looks. It's very minimalist, as our guest was the other day That's talking right. about being you minimalist. Want, yeah, you don't want to be gaudy. And in it's your very basic. Browsers. Well, they they gave it a name yesterday. What? It's called Microsoft Edge. Uh, wah 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 wah. And that was kind of like that was the reaction generally is that people aren't really happy. It with the needs name. something else. Uh, let's just rename it. What do you want to name it? Zapper. Zapper. That'll be your browser. Microsoft choice. Zapper. <laughs> Doesn't that like have an edge? A little bit. Like a ring of like oh Zapper. Okay. Is that too? I don't know. I'm not good at naming products. Oh, I try. But... Just try it. So Windows 10 will likely be launched later this summer. You mean uh, with its new its new browser? New browser. The Zapper. No Edge. They're not going with your idea. Oh, they're not? You may want to email them. Maybe they'll take your idea. But Rude. Whatever. Since they announced it yesterday. What does Microsoft know? They know a lot, I guess. <laughs> Sad but true. Hey, uh, I, we're done. You're done. Apparently why don't you I'm go, done. Why don't you go find other things that are rude to say about me? Go find other things that will get rid of double chin. That why wasn't you? rude. I was trying to help. No, you said I have a double chin, and I think that's rude. I never said that. You did. My wife's right there, and she's ticked. <laughs> You've ticked my wife off. Prepare to die. Um, we're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, Dr. Lisa Miller will be joining us. She's going to be talking about uh, some of her research and studies around why kids need to believe in something. And when they do have uh, something to believe in, it makes them healthier. It makes them happier. Back with Dr. Lisa Miller. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are, uh, you know, broadcasting the show live here on BYU campus. It, there's a conference going on called Women's Conference, two or twenty thousand women gathering, and uh, it's fun because we get to meet a lot of our our listeners, our fans, and yeah. we, we've got some from where? From Washington State, East Wenatchee, Washington. East Wenatchee, yes. Washington. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> This is so fun because um, they asked one question. They're like, they don't care about me or Terry no, or the rest of us. No. But they said, where's James? <laughs> we need James. So, James, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. James, James. I wish I could see you. Oh, James, they want to see you. You have lady friends here that want to see you. They work out every morning and they want to see you. That's right. <laughs> well, I wish I was there. I'm sitting here in the studio all by myself. Oh. 
Are, all by all your lone, all, alone, all by yourself? <laughs> you sound lonely. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no one here. It's just kind what? of barren. Well, listen to this because they've got some favorite stories. That, 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 okay, so so what? Because you there's three of you that exercise, I guess, together. Is that what you're doing? The two of us. Just the two of you do now. Okay, so what what are your names? My name is Tracy. Tracy and Laurel. Laurel, absolutely no last name on either of them. <laughs> uh, that's that's our that's our clientele right there. I understand. Yeah, yeah, you might you might uh, be discovered. Um, what 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 are your favorite stories? Now, do you have a favorite story about James? He's well, getting married. Yeah, I know he's getting married. And I think what is the absolute funniest is how you guys harass him. Harass him. Har- hold on. What do you mean? Totally. Well, you just give him the hardest time. Do you really know his fiance's name? Yeah. Kim. <laughs> She's fantastic. No, I know you do. <laughs> Kaylee. No, but see, it, honestly, they didn't let me know her name. They wouldn't let me know forever. Like, I, seriously, six months for some is reason. Is that right? It was rude. For what, what reason? I don't know. I think there's just, I, I, I had to protect her from Matt. That's, <laughs> That's what I was right. doing. What was that, James? There's no need to protect. That's okay, right. yeah. Well, you, I'm gonna. You've unleashed me at the wedding. Well, you just, you just, we just heard that uh, I get harassed by you, and yeah. and so there's oh. very good reason to. Yeah, but that's from somebody that doesn't even tell us your last name. <laughs> don't believe that. We know that I don't harass you, but you know what else? What else did you love? What other stories? Um. Uh, Let's see the yeah, the fat burke when you guys and then the ring. You're wondering if he had purchased the ring. Oh yeah, that uh, yeah. like the day before. You know that, he still hasn't purchased a ring. Really? That's see. James, when are you going to get the ring? Um, I was thinking about getting it day of. I think that kind of adds a little yeah. bit more tension. You know what? I try the hour before. That's really fun. And and why did you guys like the fat burke story? Because that's just gross. <laughs> 11, mil, 11 ton That's right. of just, fat burg. You know, and we're planning actually on going to London in September. Oh, you know what? And so and yeah. we had just talked about it the day before, and then that morning I heard um, you talk about the fat burg, and I went, oh my God. Let your nose be your guide. <laughs> right. Because if, if so, a fat burg, for those who didn't hear, they, they'll just flush and pour their oils and grease down the drain. And then other things that get flushed that shouldn't have been flushed combine with the fat, and it coagulates into a fat berg. It's like an iceberg of fat. And they've just pulled 11-ton iceberg of fat out. And uh, anyway, so that, that's sad that, that you remembered that. So that was one of the most impactful stories was the fat berg. Well, okay. There's one more. Oh, what? I, so I bought her Yukon uh, XL. Big machine. Yeah, huge, huge gas guzzler. <laughs> and... It, <laughs> Not maybe two days after I bought it, you guys were talking about, and I, I can't remember what it's called now. There's a name for Mormon moms that yeah. drive those yeah. things Yeah, Mormon around. assault vehicles. The Mormon assault vehicles. Mavs. So I'm yeah. driving down the, the road, Mavs. and I was feeling pretty boss. Yeah, were you bad to the bone? Driving your Mav. By the way, like at this parking lot, you can see about a million Mavs. That's why this is a dangerous place. 20,000 women gathering with their assault vehicles. And I came home and told my husband, I said, I'm driving you, an assault vehicle. You feel bad to the bone, <laughs> don't you? Well, oh, my heavens. So you just work out every morning and listen to the show, and then we edify by teaching you about fatbergs yes. and Mavs. It's so edifying, uplifting. I'm just ready to go for the day after I hear wonderful things like that. Oh, my gosh. And I'm really great. glad I'm working out when I hear that. This is so too. great. And you Absolutely. love James, and you wish James the best. You know what? We love all three of you. Do you Truly. really? I just, I, I even, um, I have you on podcast. I, yes. I drove from 
uh, Wenatchee to Spokane to catch my flight. I had you on podcast, <laughs> oh and gosh. I was listening to. Well, keep listening. You guys are great. You hey, just um, do, do you do you think James and and Kaylee's marriage is going to be okay? Well, you know, I I, I know I don't I know. know. You know, I have the same what? feeling. I think, and I love him, and I just want the best for <laughs> just him. Just want the best for him. That's, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Are you coming to the wedding? It's it's I, Saturday. I am. I am. Yeah. I'm planning on. You know it. what? Bring your kids. And I'm ready to dance. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you tango? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe we'll tango. The salsa. I want to make sure that Kaylee gets a, gets enough time with me tangoing. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Well, okay, thanks for being here. Good luck. You got to get back and get yeah, in we there. Go. Thanks, you guys. Great Thank to see you. you. Great to meet you. Keep listening. See how easy that is. You just listen to the show, and we'll change your life one fat burg at a time. One little coagulated fat sickle at a time. James, are you still there, brother? Sure am. What? What? Have, <laughs> what? You sound mad. Are you <laughs> no, mad? No, it's great. What, what have you learned? This has been a great show. But what have you learned? What have I learned? Because I did that whole three stages of love thing just for you and Kaylee. No, it was great. It was great to have that all dedicated. No, I really liked the earning earning love. I think that's important. Yeah. Well, you're going to earn it. Yeah. She's a great gal. Actually, she's going to earn it. You know? We're both going to earn it. Okay, yeah. That's really good. Um, it's funny, dude. They, these these, these uh, listeners, they, they want to meet you. <laughs> I think we might have to come down tomorrow and just have you down here. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I would actually love that. And we could have Mike up here in the studio all by himself. You'll have Mike up there by himself, Lock the and then door. we'll just make a big sign that says, this is James, <laughs> <laughs> and have a big arrow pointing to you. Should we do that? Because I'm, I'm sure that of the 20,000, there's at least 15,000 that are wondering where I'm at. <laughs> you know what? No, honestly, there are a lot of people that are they're fans of the shows, and they're coming up, and they're like, where's James? Is he really, is he really, did you really raise him from a pup? Is he really get a haircut? Is he really... Losing his hair. Did you really find him in a cellophane-wrapped basket, cuddling a Martinelli bottle? Yes, exactly. No, honestly, they love you, dude. So we, we miss you, and we're glad that we can now talk to you because I felt like it was even lonelier for you. Yeah. It's really embarrassing, the little scene we've created here, because I've got people spinning signs. You know those little people, like the, the guys that are looking for jobs and employment, and uh, they're standing on the curb just spinning signs? That's what they're doing. I'm trying to do a radio show, and they're just spinning. They're spinners. Anyway, we're doing what we can. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, come back, do uh, some more headlines, and just, you know, check in. By the way, we'll be, we'll be coming back also soon and checking in with the guys from BYU Sports Nation, see what's going on there as well. Stick with us. We are doing a live uh, remote right in front of the Marriott Center on BYU campus. 20,000 women congregating to uh, to grow and uh, to learn from each other at Women's Conference. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, broadcasting live in front of uh, the Marriott Center on BYU campus. A women's conference is underway. In fact, 9 o'clock opening a meeting is underway, 9.30. Man, times are flying. 20,000 women gathering to uh, 
take classes and to just, uh, you know, talk with each other, learn from each other, and figure out how to live a healthier, happier life. Again, that's the goal of the show is to also bring you the skills, the tools you need to um, to do that as well. You know, I, I, I talked in depth yesterday about um, one of my favorite uh, learnings, not learnings, but examples that has come out of Baltimore, right? The the riots and everything that's going on there. And I talked about it at the beginning of this uh, the show when we opened up a couple hours ago. But Toya Graham is her name, and uh, she basically goes out in the middle of the riots, sees this kid that fits pretty much the description of her son. And he's wearing baggy pants, and that's how she knew that was her boy. And he was wearing a mask, right about to throw uh, rocks at cops. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. And um, all of a sudden, it was so, I loved it. It was so cool because it was a mom in action. It was a mom with a purpose and a conviction. And by golly, she chased that boy down in front of all of his friends. She didn't care if she was embarrassing him. And she grabbed him and just started pounding on him. And, I mean, okay, so not the pounding, not good. Shouldn't be pounding on our kids, except... When a kid's about to throw rocks at cops, you pound, right? You stop that. And I can't tell you how how much I appreciated her example as a mother. And think about it. She's I don't I don't know all the details, but I I mean, is she a single mom trying to take care of a boy who is getting caught up in something that's he's in over his head and she took her life back and went grabbed her son and she started teaching him lessons. And it was the most amazing thing because, um, too, just his look. As he kept looking over at, like, the cameras and everybody around him thinking, uh, this, uh, okay, Mom, got it, got it, quiet, Mom, stop, Mom, stop, Mom. Honestly, we need more mothers like that. And as a child, I, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I get it. I know what that feels like. And so to all you single moms out there and to Toya Graham, uh, we appreciate you teaching us just the importance of teaching your kids responsibility. Um, by the way, I mean, she's like, I cannot imagine what her boy was thinking when he turns and sees his mom standing there and she's saying, get blank over here. She was yelling at him and anyway, super cool, tough mom. And the video again, people, people are all down on her because of video. You don't hit your kid. And I'm like, are you kidding me? In that situation? The kid's about to throw a rock at a cop, which could get him in major trouble. Yeah. Mom steps in. Love it. Love it. So, again, I think pretty much most moms would do that. Um, Again, though, 100-plus kids or whatever, you know, we need more of that going on in in Baltimore. Uh, Any news headlines? Anything we need to worry about before we bring on these uh, BYU Sports Nation guys? Governor of California wants to fine people 10000 a day if they waste water. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's a a bump in the maximum penalty. $10,000 a day. So you're showering. That would be the maximum penalty for squandering. And all of a sudden, you get a knock on the door. Yeah. So, you know, most of the penalties would be probably a couple hundred bucks at the most. Yeah. Well, they need to. But if you have someone who has, you know, egregious amount of water wasting, $10,000. Yeah. I think it's not a bad idea. Do it. Good luck, Governor. Good luck, Governor. The, uh... He, he, he's getting resistance, obviously, because oh, sure. they think that's I'm a little 
little extreme. Well, you know what? I would just say wait till they're bringing in bottled water to shower. Yeah. Water their lawns. <laughs> That's going to be more than $10,000. Now, it's complicated. So if your child comes home from school mm-hmm. and you're told your child has head lice, <laughs> yeah. is that a big deal? Uh, yeah. Do you see that as a, a concern? That's a huge concern. That's, you know, that means, you know, you're going to have to leave them outside. You have to delouse your child. That means my son's <laughs> sleeping in the front yard for a time. And I'll, that's so, oh, great. Just having all these fans walk by. Hey, you're a rock star. I'm a rock star. <laughs> I'm like, jump on Jovi. Uh, but head lice is head a lice. big deal. Now, why, is this something you're battling with? Is it, are you wondering no. as a father if I sh- you need some advice? Guidelines from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Yeah. Say that although head lice can cause itching, they are not known to spread disease, and the insects are not very likely to spread from one child to another within a classroom, which has always been well, said hold as on. the that's issue. That's the whole thing, right? Yeah, that's the whole point. One kid gets head lice, and the next thing we know, we're all combing through our kids' hair yeah. to get yeah, rid to get of the head shampoo lice. and the combs and all that. Oh, so- I, I remember in school, like my. Uh, mothers are volunteering. They take you out in the hallway and they oh. search through your head. You make sure there was no you know lies. We've never had a problem with this. Yeah. Well, now they're saying, send your kid back to school. That's interesting. Who's, who's this? Is the, the American Pediatric? Or was uh, just lost the, the American Academy of uh, Pediatrics? Well, that's great news. Yeah. I was thinking because James got that haircut right before the wedding. I was wondering about that. So it says rather it's usually direct head-to-head contact that's, that causes the spread. <laughs> hey, you two, quit rubbing your heads on each other. Jimmy so, has head lice. <laughs> for this reason, no healthy child oh, should be excluded crazy. from school or allowed to miss school time because of head lice or nits, as they're saying here. Yeah. That's great news. How, do you think that's going to actually happen? Do you think parents are going to be like, oh, well, there's a study, so we should be okay? No. No, I think the kid's going to be excluded. I think it's all, <laughs> I think it's just, it's a it's a, it's a, a ruse. It's something that they're using so they can sell more head lice product. Is that what it is? Uh-huh. One goes down, whole class goes down. We got to de-louse and, you know, douse them all. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah. It's a but you don't want to laugh about head lice, but it's good to know. It's not going to spread. It doesn't. Cause disease. Cause disease. It's you have just have, you have to have head-to-head contact. Head-to-head contact. Which, by the way, but lice. Let's be real. It can ruin your dating life. It can. Mike knows that. He just said. Mike knows. <laughs> it's not something you want. Mike, to you can do. You just can't have head-to-head contact. You just have to keep your distance. Just letting you know. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What head age? Lice. What age equals middle age? Uh, Don. What age would you say equals middle age? Uh, middle age, halfway between zero and 150. How about that? Uh, that work? 50 is good, except I'm getting closer to 50. I'd say middle age is 60. Oh, the new middle age is 80. Yeah, that feels right. Yeah, the new middle age. Social policy professor at the University of Sheffield says, you know, the, the 70 is the new 50. 70 <laughs> is the new 50. 70 is I the totally new 50. I totally agree. Sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is the uh, new smoking. Kicking is the new dancing. Yeah. There you and go. bald is the new hairy guy. That's right. And, li- and lice is the new uh, healthy plague. <laughs> lice is the new healthy. Researchers from Vienna's International Institute for Applied Systems contend that being considered elderly shouldn't rely on one's actual age, but on how long people are expected to live after retirement. Wow. It seems like they're changing the rules. Yes. No. Middle age seems to be the middle of your age. So if, our, if we're expected to live to 70 or 80, 
my middle age should be 40. So what does that mean for you now, Matt? That means I'm a dead duck. <laughs> that means I'm done. I'm 45 years old, I believe. Are you enjoying your middle age? Yes. Never been better. And apparently there's a cure for double chin. Double chin? So, I mean, everything's looking up In fact, I'm going to bring that up uh, with the guys on BYU Sports Nation. Well, it's a good thing I brought the more in-depth article so you could have more details that Again, you can share. the FDA approves double chin eliminator injections. You can now have something injected into your chins and take them down to one. <laughs> Just one chin. From three chins to one. Three huge chins to one itty-bitty chin with just one injection. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, this, uh, this hour sponsored by Double Chin Eliminator Injections. From three to one. Uh, just kidding. For those that are listening. Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back more right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be talking to the guys from BYU Sports Nation up next right here on BYU Radio. This is a scary, dark song. Something to do with Star Wars, I'm sure. I can't tell. Do you know? Do you know, Mike? James, what song is this? It's from Lord of the Rings. It's for the Black Riders. Oh, Lord of the Rings. We're still doing the whole Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. Uh, we're broadcasting live. This is the Matt Townsend Show, broadcasting live from uh, right in front of the Marriott Center on BYU campus. That's why I have to ask James, because I can't just see it. James, I miss you so much. We're going to go right now to Studio B with uh, Spencer and Jerem from BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen. It is so Yo, good to up? be back. You're, you're normally uh, broadcasting live right near the Merritt Center as well. But it's the building next door. So yeah, exactly. today you're outside. Today we're live outside. Yeah. How's the weather, Matt? It's beautiful. Man, isn't it? You know what? It's so weird, though. There's tons of women here. <laughs> it's like they're there having so a many conference. jokes going through my mind right now. It's there's there's twenty ish thousand women that will be on. That's campus. amazing. That's, that's crazy. Amazing. Um, it's amazing, and they're talking about you guys all the time. That's not true. Of course they were. I've they're, I've heard I've heard this fact um, what? told to me, and I assume it's fact. Let's just act like it's fact. Yeah. There are more towels stolen this weekend from hotels than any other weekend all year. <laughs> yeah, just in Utah County, you mean? <laughs> no, in Provo. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, no, totally. I don't know if there's a coincidence related to the events happening on no, campus or not. That, I'm no, not, nothing I'm not to do sure. with that. I'm it's not just, sure. Is it, it's, towels I mean, are hot. Is it, you know, an accident that they're taking? You know. Yeah, it's an accident. Maybe there's a real need. Well, they need to uh, be washed. Norman you don't want to just leave your towel dirty, so you got to take it home and wash it. Yeah, just saying. My mom hey, might have a couple. Who knows? Hey, I want you guys to do a little rude detector check for me here. Rude um, detector. Let's just say, let's just say somebody on your team said, uh, "Hey, I've got a story that you, that's really appropriate for you." And then the story was about how the FDA approved a double chin eliminator injection. <laughs> that if you inject this fluid into your double chins it will get rid of them does that seem rude to you <laughs> there's no such thing no there is no the fda just approved it's called the double chin eliminator injection <laughs> that's one of the stupidest things i've name? ever heard yeah yeah and so for people battling double chin i'm not one of them 
But one of my people, they think I am. Okay, who's the one person that thinks you Terry. are? Terry. Terry said that. Terry. Isn't that rude? The I'm rude just checking. Detector, the rude detector is peaking right now, Terry. Okay. The rude detector is peaking. See, I, they wouldn't do that to you guys. You guys are the iconic. Ruder. They wouldn't. We're even if iconic. you had a double chin, they wouldn't point it out. Who cares if you have a double chin? Are you saying I have a double chin, Jerry? No. No. If a, if a person. Hypothetically. <laughs> Who cares? If I had a double chin, who would care? That's My baby has a triple chin. I don't care. Oh, jeez. Are you saying I have a triple chin? <laughs> I don't know what you have. I can't see you. Well, get on down here. Wait till the sun hits. <laughs> yeah. see Are it. you freezing? All of your nice? flaws Spencer, will be exposed. Spencer, how did you get healthy? Uh, let's see. I had a little bit of every uh, legal uh, concoction known to man ah. to help throats. And, yeah. and woman. <sighs> you know, I'm about 95%, so I'm still not perfect. You, you, know how I, you know how I know I'm not quite there? I tried to sing in my high range this morning, and it uh-huh. was not pretty. It was, hey, just for, it was just scary. For me, let's, I'm not going to push you to sing. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it'd be fun for all of us, but I don't want to blow your voice out. <laughs> Jerem, on the other hand, I'd love to hear something right now. Jerem, if you could just pull it out. Jeremy, you going to the high range? Ain't no stranger to love. No, 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 no. And so do I. <laughs> nice. is, that what we're, is that what we're doing? <laughs> so do I. Don't know. I. I didn't know where we were going with that. But, I don't know. Uh, you asked me to sing. I, now I realize not a good thing. idea. We got, you got Rickrolled, man. <laughs> That's what just so, happened. So uh, you guys still doing your show? I ask that every day. Do you guys We have a that? huge show today. Yeah. What, what, what's Maybe gonna be the on biggest the, what's in gonna our be history. On the, I'm dead serious. What's going to be on the show? We're announcing the 2015 football schedule with Tom Homo, including BYU's bowl game. Yeah. Bowl game tie-in. Wow. Yep. Some you, some TV times. Uh, okay. Some uh, kick times or TV. Did, are you going to tease us? Times. Any any surprises? Any new games? Find out coming up. Are there, we playing the there's Patriots? There's been some information out there. Um, you know, the last couple months, but there's some stuff the fans don't know. They're going to be excited and want to watch this show or listen to it on BYU Radio. Hey, Terry wants it. to Tom know if going to be in the studio. Terry wants to know if the Cougars are playing the Patriots this year. Yes, BYU has signed a four-year deal with the New England Patriots. Wow. Uh, two home, two road. No, you know, what's, you awesome. know what's interesting about that, though? Is BYU what? will actually play at Foxborough Stadium, the home really? of the Patriots. They're going to play against UMass. UMass. Okay, see? Two, I thought it was home, because of the cheater yeah. gate thing with the deflate, yep. deflate gate. That yeah. They wanted to clean it up by having the Cougars on. <laughs> That's why. Okay, I'm just checking. Hey, you just <laughs> tell all the lovely ladies that are walking past you, Matt. Yeah. That BYU Sports Nation starts in 10 minutes, okay? Okay. Well, hey, everybody, they already um, know, and they're rushing to wherever yeah, no, they're going. No, to in watch fact, it. ever since I mentioned it, people are just screaming and running all over here. <laughs> hey, remind us to tell you about uh, our Avengers parking lot debacle tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay, tomorrow we'll talk Avengers. Don't Guys, forget, have a great you show. You write this down. We need to discuss this tomorrow. Write it no, down. Uh, Terry, you got that? Terry, Terry's got it. He made a note right next to the page. We can't discuss it now? You got to no, go? We got, we got to go, man. You guys got a show no, to Matt do. Tells us Spencer's lost his. Spencer's got a focus. Oh, I need to save my voice, Jerem. I thought we had Jeez. a couple minutes. Hey guys, don't fight. That's why we're here. We love you. Okay, <laughs> have a, a great show. Talk show. Yeah, it's a t- hey, 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 hey. There will be fight. Hey, 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 hey. We're still on the air. I'm gonna go grab some towels. I gotta be back. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, oh cool. my goodness. See you, boys. Take care. Have a great show. <laughs> All See right, ya. Matt. See you. Be good. Yeah, that's a great announcement. I didn't know so many towels were stolen during this conference. It happens. I mean, we don't want to cast aspersions. More of a crime of omission, though. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's a service thing. They probably right. take the towels, the, the, wash them, send them out to charities across the world. Or maybe they wash them and send them back to the, the place, the hotel later. Don's got an idea. No, I know. I know what it is. What? Ladies are here. Guys are home. Honey, where are the towels? That's exactly I can't right. find a single towel. That's where it. can I find them? I know where some are. They're- Go to Provo, where all of the towels are being stolen. Hey, um, a great show. Again, uh, honored to be a part of Women's Conference. I get a... I get to deliver an address today to, I don't know how many, 2,000 to 3,000 women. <sighs> when you're giving these presentations I'm and people nervous. stand up in the middle and leave, do you find that rude? I actually call it out. Okay. I'm like, yo, you. <laughs> where are you going? Where are you going? <laughs> it's always fun. Uh, it's It makes for great, not great. That, not that they're going to stand up and leave. I'm just, no, you know. No, I, actually, I've never had that happen ever. Right. But I'm a little nervous because um, I'm not quite uh, ready with my talk. But I've got till 1.30. So. Do you need some inspiration? Yeah. Inspire me. Well, what's the topic? Um, like it. I'm trying to think of the exact title. Like it. How to teach your young adults. How to stay connected with your young adults via social media. Do you know what social media is popular with the young adults? Yeah. What? I know all of them. Chat Smash, <laughs> Flambong. Flambong, huh? Ponce de Leon. Flambong's my favorite. Flambong, it's 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 up and coming. Up and coming? Smash Burger. That's, uh, that's, that's a place. It's a restaurant. There's another one. Uh, Twitter, obviously. Yes. <laughs> the, the young adults love Twitter right now. You can tell because Twitter's stock price is dropping. Um, <laughs> face, yeah, they lost 18% the other day. Facebook, you know the kids like that. Only 14% of teens say Facebook is the most important social media. MySpace. MySpace doesn't exist kids in love any MySpace. form that you want to use. What's the one uh, where they aren't spo- – oh, uh, Pe- Pelican? Pelican, that's nothing. That. <laughs> um. I, I've I've done a lot of research. I can feel on social media. Instagram's a big one. Who? Instagram. Oh, I've never heard of that one. It is a photo sharing. Oh, is it? Is that a big one? Photos, yes. Instagram. They have filters. You can make do your they? yeah. Give, give your your normal photo a rustic. Yeah, you could like. Oh, do you want a single chin photo in that Instagram, or do you want a double chin or a triple That's, chin? That'd be more of a Photoshop feature. You I love to, it when you can like take one chin off uh-huh. of your Instagram photo. Mm, those are good filters. Um, so, any others that I need to know about? There's the one. What's the one? Foursquare, which, by the way, one of the greatest games ever invented for the playground. For the playground, yeah. Uh, not to phone, brag, it might be kind of annoying. I used to be a huge Foursquare player. Okay. Probably semi-pro. Uh, semi-pro Semi? because I could put a corner spin on a Foursquare ball that would just seriously break your ankles. Okay. <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Four score. But then what's the sad thing? Let me just tell you the sad thing. I invested years, years of my life, and Foursquare never took off and went pro. Right. So because of that, never got scholarships, never. You were cheated. No, I was totally cheated. Never society, got to the Olympics. Society let you down on Foursquare. Never never happened. Um, Hero of the day. You ready? I'm going out on a limb. We got to get this out there because after sitting here watching uh, 20,000 women who are willing to come and learn willingly, by the way. Yeah, I know. Willingly, because there's another week called Education Week, which is on campus, mm-hmm. 
which is also a big event where we go and learn. And But that's still mostly women dragging their husbands to go learn. Now, I'm not saying men don't want to learn, but yeah. I just my hero of the day are, are women today, moms, sisters, friends, neighbors, whatever you got, women today that are leading the charge to create a better world like our wonderful mother from um, Baltimore, Toya Graham, but also willing to learn, willing to grow, willing to, to, to add more to their life. Women's Conference. In honor of Women's Conference on BYU uh, campus, I'm honoring our hero of the day, our women, who are willing to just keep up the battle, keep learning, keep growing. That's You're my heroes. Again, my mom raised me from a pup, and I never could have uh, you know, been able to have this show if she hadn't just stuck to it. So love you, Mom, and all the moms out there. We're, uh, we're out of here. That's the show. We did it. Nobody died couple people maimed nothing to do with us right we are out of here again uh, thanks for james up in the studios we're back tomorrow we can't do the show without you thanks for joining us and uh please tune in tomorrow or podcast it right here uh the matt townsend show we'll talk to you again tomorrow